The Fighting Films podcast discusses films ranging from G to NC-17 rated. The three hosts discussing these films are adults who will not hold back from using bad or explicit language at times. Now, with that in mind, this show is not censored, so please listen at your own fucking risk. Thank you. And heed that warning, because if not, we're going to rip off your cojones and fill them with motor oil. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was drown them in motor oil. Oh, is it? I yeah. Don't, I, don't, I don't know anymore. Sounds uh, disgusting. I thought it was boil, but boil. Whatever. Oh God. Oh, maybe. <laughs> all, I all, know. I, all I know sadistic. is that when I was a kid. Oh, sorry, sorry, Jess. No, it's okay. I was just saying, Buzz is pretty sadistic. Uh, that was um, that was Harry. Harry, right? Oh God. Something about Joe Pesci having to censor himself to a kids' <laughs> movie or family movie level, and still being like, I remember being a kid and going, "That sounds like that's gonna hurt." Like, no. <laughs> Like, and forgetting what, what, uh, anyway, um, it, it's part of our halfway to the holidays month. And that's a hint at what we're talking about on this episode, but welcome to fighting films, a podcast where us three friends pit two films against one another that are similar to us in some way. Maybe they have some similar plots. Maybe they share directors and themes. Maybe they're an adaptation of a famous novel, or maybe there's just some personal reason for one or all of us. Either way, the discussion will be fun. So let's get those films fighting. I'm one of your hosts, Chris. And I'm Stefan, the show creator, fun fact generator, and critical aggregate. And I'm Jess. I do the social media stuff and keep these guys wrangled, pretty much. And you can find us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Patreon, um, Instagram, Gmail. Uh, it's just some version of Fighting Films Podcast or Fighting Films Pod. Awesome. And Stefan. What movies are we talking about this week, since we already hinted at them? Yeah, well, this week is our director spotlight. We're doing Home Alone 1 and 2, uh, both directed by the great Chris Columbus. Yes, Chris Columbus of Harry Potter 1 and 2 fra- fame mm-hmm. and everything else. He actually wrote Gremlins. Yep. Oh. Got to continue on with that Christmas movie thing. Um <laughs> So, you know, outside, you know, we usually talk about why they're alike. This is a director spotlight. They're sequels to each other. But I I always found it interesting with these two movies how they l- really were just trying to make the same movie again. When they yes. One. Like Daniel Stern. Beat. Yep. Daniel Stern all but admitted to it years later. Well, I mean, you can do basically a side-by-side comparison, but it's like... It's like in two, they like tried harder to be over the top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when the parents like get up and they're like, we did it again. We did it again. I'm like, well, really? it's almost like they're winking through the screen, right? Like, ha, 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 we're <laughs> doing it again. <laughs> yeah. I suppose. Yeah, definitely a sequel trope. And we'll, we'll touch on the, uh, the second one being really over the top. Okay. Absolutely. So check off that for later. Yes. yes. Um, but what was everybody's first experiences with these movies? I, I'm pretty sure I, I, I have a vague memory of first seeing Home Alone. It was somewhere, it was in a hotel room. I'm pretty sure we were, I think maybe down for the cities visiting my godmother. And we must have rented it when it was like a, a movie on demand. So that would have been in 1991. I might have seen it in the theaters, but I don't remember it. I would have been too young, like three. 
but I do remember, um, I, I do have that memory, and I remember seeing Home Alone 2 in theaters. Wow. What about okay. you, Jess? Um, I definitely remember watching it when I was young, and pretty much watching it every year. Mm. Um, I think I watched Home Alone 2, like, once, and <laughs> ah. so... I didn't I didn't really remember much from it. Um, but it was actually really fun this week um that we watched these movies because I was able to watch them with my son and it was his first time watching them. Oh. And so it was really a great time, you know, to to see him, you know, watching it and to, you know, see how he feels about other things and yeah, it just this is uh this is I guess one of I mean one of the more violent movies he's watched, I yeah. would say. Oh yeah. It's interesting. Uh, I'm I'm realizing now while I'm sitting here recording this talking to you both that the first time I saw Home Alone was in this basement that I'm in right now. <sighs> um, on a little wow. black and white TV that would have been right next to about where I'm sitting. Mm. Um, my grandparents had an old VHS player down here. And when we'd come over for holiday parties, um, we'd watch a movie down here. And I remember dra- drafting schematics of like the traps from the movie with my cousins, <laughs> my and sister I was, and I did the same thing. Right. And I was yeah. what, awesome. um, seven, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> and, and I, and I remember, uh, this was right around the Bart Simpson time period. And um, where where that was big in the news, and I was in a Catholic school, and so this was one of the movies that like they were like, oh, the kids can't see it. He's he's got a potty mouth, and he betrays his parents, and he you know, and and <laughs> and, and and so I, I don't. It's funny to think about it now, but Kevin McAllister was grouped right in with Bart Simpson, right? Mm-hmm. And yet they let you watch. They showed you the witches at your right. school, exactly. <laughs> It's it's so backwards, right? Like it, I I have no well that was Roald Dahl, Stefan. You see, Roald Dahl can do no wrong, even though mm-hmm. he was, <laughs> which is neither here nor there. Right. Um, but anyway, with that, um, I just that was a really good memory. And, and Home Alone two, I saw in the theater. I, I remember, and uh, I remember even back then going, "Wow, this definitely feels like a sequel." <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, it's a definitely a fun movie. But oh boy. Um, anyway, so with that, let's get right into movie one. Jess, tell us about Home Alone. Alrighty, so I chose Home Alone 1. I actually dibsed it because uh, I wanted to do this one because I had a better knowledge of it. Um, and I think I'm just going to take the, uh, the uh, IMDb summary from it. Um, And it just says, an eight-year-old troublemaker must protect his house from a pair of burglars when he is accidentally left home alone by his family during Christmas vacation. And um, Wikipedia, you know, has kind of the same thing in one of the blurbs. But um, it just says, uh, it follows Kevin McAllister as he defends his home from burglars after his family accidentally leaves him behind in Chicago on their vacation to Paris. And this is a question I've heard a lot as an adult, but what did that dad do to afford a trip to Paris for what? 15 people. Actually 
Jess, that's a very good question, and I have an answer to that. Uh, Kate, so Kate, uh, when she was talking to Joe Pesci, when he was disguised as the cop, revealed it was actually the other brother, Rob, in Paris that was paying for the trip. Ah. Yep. There is. Oh my, I never put that. Yep. Wow. There's a really... uh, there's a there's a, a ton of fan theories for this movie. Yeah. One of which is that uh, Kevin's dad works for the mob. Yep. Yep. I that's how they had all that money. That's why his house had the reputation, the silver tuna, as mm-hmm. uh, Harry said, and um, kind of how he the way he acted around the cop, around you know Joe Pesci when he thought he was the cop, where he's like, "Am I under arrest? What's going on here?" Uh, which I don't think, I mean, I probably would have reacted the same way, but, um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about random rando cop as he's labeled in my notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Imagine how much different rando cop would play right now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, rando, rando cop just like, standing in the foyer of somebody's house. Like, mm-hmm. no, get the fuck out. And like, <laughs> and like nobody says anything. Like they're just walking by. I'm like, really? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. I mean, especially in, I mean, you're in suburbia. Yeah. Yeah. This took place, by the way, in uh, Winnetka, uh, Illinois, a northern Chicago suburb, which is like one of the wealthiest zip codes in the country. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I uh, I did the little tiny summary. Um, you know, basically, we're all caught up. And quite honestly, with how old this movie is. If you haven't seen it, you should have watched it by now. Yes. It, it is definitely a classic. And one of the reasons we saved it for the final week of halfway to the holidays. Um, it just, it's, it's one of the goats. I'm going to say that. It's one of the goats of the Christmas movies. Uh, greatest of all time. So um, it's, <laughs> I have to mention. So my son is eight. And, uh, like, I started it. And I watched it on Disney+, Plus, you know. Um, so, I don't know if there were any changes done in it. Um, but I don't own it on DVD. I don't believe there were any changes, by the way. Okay. Um, and the, uh, the 20th Century Fox logo pops up. <laughs> in, like, old classic one. And my son, who's sitting on the other couch, just goes, classic. That's classic. I'm like, you're eight. <laughs> but he can tell vintage. That's right. amazing. I guess. I'm like, wow, okay. And so, you know, up pops um, the opening credits um, as all these people are running around, getting ready, trying to find stuff, uh, trying to get their stuff together. And I see the name John Hughes. Who wrote this movie? Um, and he is very well known for so many movies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, the John Hughes Brat Pack movies of the 80s, you know, and moving up to, you know, um, The Great Outdoors, Uncle Buck, The National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. He wrote Home Alone, Curly Sue, um, the Home Alone video game characters, Beethoven, uh, Dennis the Menace, which we'll check off on that for a little ways down the road this year. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the screenplay for 101 Dalmatians, The Miracle on 34th Street re, uh, remake, Baby's Day Out. Like, I love oh, that. I, I love, love that movie. I always forget about that movie. Well, and like, it looks like he wrote all of the Beethoven, Beethoven movies. He wrote uh, Drove It Taylor, Made in Manhattan, and the 2015 version of Vacation. Um, or at least the characters were. Yeah, he, he had died by then. I was just about to say because he passed mm. uh, in 2009. Um, oh, he wrote Flubber as well. Yep. Um, womp, so, wow. Womp. This this guy has written, uh, he has 51 writer credits to his name, Damn. and I recognize almost all of them. Mm-hmm. He was a powerhouse. Yeah. yeah. Like, it just, he's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, like, even I Mr. Think... Mom was fun. <laughs> I've never seen that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's with uh, Michael Keaton, I believe. Right. Oh, it's so good. It is. It seems pretty dated, just from what little I know about oh, it. Oh, it's extremely dated, and that's what makes it well, great. Of Ke- course, it's Keaton, as old as me. Keaton <laughs> was in a couple movies like that, like where you look back and go, uh, he's so charming and good at being the roles that he is that you want to give it a pass because it doesn't feel like there's a bad bone in his body. But Mr. Mom and Multiplicity are two Michael yes. Keaton movies. You kind of go, I'm a Multiplicity. Oh, there's some really dark like views <laughs> on um sexism and feminism and yeah. um uh mental disability that they're just playing for a total laughs but he's so good at it that it's mm-hmm. kind of like I want to give this movie a pass but oh it's so gross <laughs> same time so, so going back to the opening credits another name that popped up that pretty much blew my mind and it is my i'm gonna go with that person um because he is not an actor to my knowledge but mr john williams who Mm -hmm. is an amazing composer and pretty much any um any movie if you've seen any of the big Oh gosh, Star Wars. Uh, he's worked on The Simpsons, uh, Jurassic Park, yep. um, Jaws, Jones, Jaws. Like uh, he did the score for It Chapter Two, like uh, Shazam. Um, he's done, you know, the musical arrangements for the Oscars. Like it just, you know, Ralph breaks the internet, like. Oh my word! Like this man is a musical genius. His score, I felt, really elevated this movie. Yeah. Um. I mean, despite using holiday songs, well, I'm gonna go with Christmas because this movie is about Christmas and not mm-hmm. any of the 21 holidays that happened between December and January. But basically, Christmas. Um. But yeah, like even though it was composed of mainly Christmas music, um, it just it was still fantastically arranged. What I love is that his score ends up because you know there's some Mannheim steamroller things that he works in there too in mm-hmm. bits of the film, but there's 
the score is so iconic that it became part of Christmas. And that's a weird thing to think about when you think about Christmas and how traditional and old the majority of the songs are, right? That Home Alone's score is legitimately one of the things I have to hear at Christmas time every year. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? And just talking about it, it's playing in my head. <laughs> you know, like you can't yeah. not hear it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, it was actually really cute. Um so for the last few years, uh, when we put up our Christmas tree, we've put um, uh, holiday music on in the background. And so every once in a while, my son would pipe up and be like, oh, I remember listening to this and putting up the tree. Oh. So mm. it was super cute. I'm like, is that a happy memory for you? He's like, yeah. Oh, so that's it sweet. Just, it was adorable. I, I'll probably talk about my son here and there because I watched these with him. Please do. That's great. This it's what it's all about, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like he contributed to uh, apparently Robot Chicken and Little Fockers <laughs> and uh, Paul and um, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows and uh, yeah. Basically, if you've watched any sort of movie franchise in the last 40 years yeah uh you holy crap he did the music for trick-or-treat uh one of my one of my Mm. favorite horror movies um me too yeah just harry potter you know uh, apparently he did the office um you can definitely hear uh harry uh some elements of the harry potter score in at least the opening credits of Home Alone. Yep. Mm-hmm. But of course, way ahead of Harry Potter. Superman. Yeah. So maybe you can hear a little bit of Home Alone in Harry Potter. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I, I, th- I thought I said I thought it was a, pr- a prelude. If, if I didn't, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> it's all good. Okay. Yeah. Um, my, one of my favorites of his is his Superman score. One of one of my most underrated favorite films, uh, Hook. There you go. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Which, if if there's nothing else good about that movie, and a lot of people think that there's not, his score is amazing. Hook is a very underappreciated, wonderful. Yes, film. I will. I will yeah, die I, on that. I will die on that mountain. I, I think it, a it, lot of us will. Yes. It's, it's it's messy, and that's what I love about it. Yeah. The movie's wearing its heart on its sleeve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I just I just want to say out there if you get the chance if you got like you know five minutes just to chill or whatever um i would say hop on imdb and look at john williams uh writing list composer list because holy buckets it's long Mm -hmm. i would go on a limb to say that john williams has basically scored my life same (laughs) Um, I'm not gonna go that far, <laughs> but uh, he he has definitely scored a lot of good movies out there. Oh, he did the Goonies. Sorry, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, it doesn't the stop. Magic, 
The Magic of David Copperfield 10, the Bermuda Triangle TV special. <laughs> so I just, I'm, I'm just tickled going through I this. I saw list. him, I saw him perform the national anthem with the Boston Pops at a Red Sox game. Because mm. he used to be the conductor back in the day. For the oh, Pops. So oh. Really cool. I'm like, what did he do? <laughs> yep. He was the composer. Uh, so he, he, he did the, uh, um, the lead, you know, mm-hmm. conducting. Yeah, but just this entire list is just absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, I again, I implore you to go check it out, dear listeners, because it is fantastic. The like scores even, are characters you, in and of themselves. Yeah, yes. even just reading through it. So. That definitely makes him my that person for this movie because without the music, it might be kind of boring. Yeah, his he was actually or his score was going to be my MVP originally. Oh, mm. nice choice. Yeah. Yeah, I I know we touched on that, and I didn't want to like step on any toes. So when you changed your mind, and I didn't have that person, I'm like yoink, Perfect. mine now. <laughs> the the okay. trio of minds is thinking yes. like friends. Mm-hmm. Yes. Doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, it's amazing. Mm. <laughs> okay, so now I'm actually going to get to uh, my notes from the film. So the first thing I have here is Rando Cop. <laughs> um, you know, as these people are running around getting ready, uh, there is a cop in the middle of their foyer. And um, throughout, like, the beginning of the movie, uh, the dad stops to talk to the cop and proceeds to tell him literally what is happening, where they're going, uh, that nobody will be home, that their lights are on timers, at what time they're going to come on. Literally everything. Like... Did you even ask him for some identification? No. You're just going to trust this guy? Really? Um, well, as we see, this family is very, they're very poor planners, is the impression okay. I get about them. And I, I could go on a rant about that. You know, I, I have to disagree. I don't think they're poor planners. I think, you know, everybody is trying to get their stuff ready the night before and, you know, a number of circumstances, you know, puts them in a hurry and in a tizzy and, you know, eventually leads them to where they wind up. Oh, I wasn't talking about the beginning, but yeah. (laughs) I, I I look at it as, you know, rich white entitlement and a false sense of security. Really, the you know, this is in a time period where I'm at a place where nothing bad ever happens. And of mm-hmm. course, I would have full trust in someone that looks like a cop. Because why would anyone try to take advantage of me? Yeah. As but Buzz they're... said, they live in the most boring street in America. Except, except Which... they tell stories about it having a mass murder. Yes. But anyway. Yes, I agree. I agree. Which we will check off on. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So... Again, with this rando cop, like, dad steps away after telling him practically everything. And then mom comes up to pay the pizza guy who has joined the cop in the foyer. And continues to tell him more stuff. 
that he doesn't need to freaking know. And it should be obvious the cop is, like, casing the joint by this point, (laughs) pretty much. Well, that's the thing. He's not walking around casing the joint. Like, it's, you know, it's pretty open in the front where he can see into the living room and the dining room. So he can see that, I mean, even from the outside, you can see it's a giant, rich house. Um, And obviously, they've done their homework on this neighborhood that you talked about. But literally telling this random cop every single detail. You know, when you leave, when you're going to be back, what time your lights come on. Oh my gosh, stop it. And the crazy thing is, it sounds like everyone else in the street fell for the same thing. Yes, they did. I was just going to say that. Which is so ridiculous. Like, no. No, Mm -hmm. stop giving people all these details. Like, my partner sometimes does that. And I'm like, no. They don't need to hear all that. Stop it. (laughs) You are jeopardizing our home security. Stop it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um... Uh, since Jess, you mentioned Kevin's dad, uh, Peter McAllister, that is my that actor from this uh, John John Heard. He's so good. Uh, yeah, he's been in a ton of stuff. I heard if you read his bio, it seems like he was kind of a prick. But Aww. I digress. Yeah, I mean, I mean he, he was like he was like abusive with his partners. His son was estranged from him. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, um, he was in. This really good uh, 80s kind of cult film, uh, uh, Chud or Chud. Yes. Oh, Chud, yeah. yeah. Yep. He had the he had the Dilf thing going on really hard in that movie, if you see stills of him. I mean, if you watch the movie, which uh, Daniel Stern was in as well. Yes, we can was. check off on that for later. Uh, he was in Beaches, where his, his character was probably, that's probably like how he was in real life from what I read in his bio, mm-hmm. from his character in Beaches. Uh he was in his one of his last roles was The Tale, an HBO movie with Laura Dern. Oh. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Okay, okay, but you cannot skip over. I was going to go back. 2013 role in Sharknado. Yep. Come on now. Mm-hmm. Yes! <laughs> as, he was... as, as not Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> <laughs> he was George the Barfly, and he yeah. took with him when they evacuated the bar. Yeah, I, I love everything. About I was that waiting for you to bring movie. to bring that up. I feel like yeah. he was in something else I've seen. Maybe, I mean, yeah, he's showed up in tough stuff. He, um, as per Wikipedia, I, I, I like this passage here. In 2008, Heard was asked about his career, and he replied, I guess I went from being a young leading man to being just kind of a hack actor. When I came to Hollywood, I was pretty much a stage actor, and I expected everybody to be quiet, and they weren't. They were just doing their job, and you're expected to do your job, and you're sort of this ongoing coexistence. I was a little bit of an arrogant jerk. Now, it's a little bit more like, okay, I realize you have to pat me down with powder every three seconds, and I stand there, and I'm a little more tolerant i think i had my time i dropped the ball as my father would say i think i could have done more with my career than i did and i sort of got sidetracked but that's okay that's all right that's the way it is no sour grapes i mean i don't have any regrets except that i could have played some bigger parts no yeah okay it's pretty self-reflective yeah um he wasn't big as well 
Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah. Yes. So he he was definitely in some pretty good stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. The next thing I wanted to talk about, or next person, is Fuller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuller, this little poop of a kid, mm-hmm. um, who is guzzling soda like there's no tomorrow. And the big thing is that, you know, Fuller wets the bed, which he's, he looks to be about six or seven, which hopefully by this time, he should not be having accidents as regular as people being fearful of sharing a bed with him because he wets it. Well, and the parents that, should be doing something. The parents yeah. seem to like use it as punishment. Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna make you sleep with Fuller. Mm. It's like you know what happens to Fuller. Yeah. Yeah. Like it just. Ugh. Um. And like one thing we've always done is we've always made our son go potty before bed. Like you know, even that would help. But also not guzzling caffeinated soda at dinner you know just just a thought you know also played by monsieur kieran culkin who Mm -hmm. um we see later was it kieran in scream five no that was rory scream four sorry scream five isn't out yet that Mm -hmm. was rory um dang um but yeah so kieran Kieran wallace wills in um Scott Pilgrim. Uh, yep. mm-hmm. Okay. Do you know what kid guys in my class are gay? I don't know. Does he wear glasses? I just oh. I love that role so much. He was brilliant in that movie. <laughs> He's been in a lot of stuff. Yep. Uh. Um. Yeah, and so he actually shows up in both movies, uh, in pretty much the same role. Mm-hmm. Um. My next note is everyone's so mean. I know. Like, I get that he's like, he seems to be the last kid of his family. But come on now. Like, y'all don't need to be that mean. You coddle the youngest. That's how it works. I, I always thought one day in my life I would get old enough to understand where the family was coming from with how they treated Kevin. And no matter what, I can't side with them in how they treat him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This entire family is just, they kind of treat each other like crap, just like the siblings and their interactions. It's just kind of like, wow, y'all are, y'all suck. Yeah. um... We're we're not even at Uncle Frank yet. Oh, my God. Oh, Uncle God. Frank is Freaking not Uncle in my notes. He's just part of everyone. Everyone's mean. He's trash. Everyone's so Such a mean. scumbag. He's trash. He is. He's he's a shit. But um, the nicest person to him, like, tells him to pack toilet paper and a toothbrush. Yep. Like, ugh, no wonder this kid is frustrated and you know wants everyone to disappear. You know, mm-hmm. his older brother ate the only kind of pizza he likes. An entire flipping pizza. 
Like, come on, dude. Like, I, I grew up an only sibling. I get older brothers, you know, mess with you. But come on. Like, that's, that really? Like, they ordered ten fucking pizzas. Like, have a little of something else. Like, ugh. And just... they had just one plain cheese pizza? Like, hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody likes something different. I know. What, um, what really pissed me off about that scene, too, is, like, how they get mad at Kevin for the spilled milk on the tickets and passports. Um, you're telling me a house this big and nice, you wouldn't have a fucking safe to put those things in? They go well, in the safe. No, because they're going to use them the next morning. But well, still that's, don't know why take they them out the next morning. The table with all the food. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. On the on the counter under yeah. the pizzas. No. That's Did what I meant when I said curse? poor planning. That's what I, I meant when know. I said poor planning. By the way. Yeah. That you're, was no, example. you're right. It, it it it's a cluster, is what it is. Mm-hmm. I can see setting the tickets down on the counter because it you're going to pass it in the morning. Yeah, so, yeah, before you go to bed. Either way, I can see why they're there. But either way, um, Kevin's ticket winds up in the trash since we jumped to that part. Um, yep, which I, I never noticed that till like years later. Really? Yeah, yeah, same here. Yeah. I took the camera focusing on it like one of the last couple times I watched mm-hmm. it to go, oh. <laughs> I yeah, just thought so... the airport really sucked at security. Check off that for later. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get to the, the pre 9 11 airport scene. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Kevin is running around kind of trying to talk to people and trying to figure out, you know, um, just kind of the plans and oh he's talking to people to try to switch beds mm-hmm. or see if mm-hmm. he can sleep with them or whatever because he does not want to sleep with fuller and he goes into buzz's room where we meet his lovely pet tarantula mm-hmm. um, who we see throughout the film and is uh i'm just gonna say really quick he's an honorable mention mvp or it. It is an honorable mention MVP. I'm not going to surmise. I know the gender of the tarantula. Um, but then it's, we hear the tale. Oh, sorry? Jose, it's quite literally Chekhov's tarantula, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, but then we hear the tale of the South Bend shoveler. Uh, we see, you know, uh, an old man shoveling his walk, spreading some salt. But Buzz has to say um, that he is a murderer and murdered his family and, you know, there wasn't enough evidence to hold him and that's why he's out and he never has any family around and he's this lonely old man and so scary. But Buzz is just a butthead. Um, So as I said, uh, Kevin's tickets wind up in the trash um, during dinner uh, when he gets into a physical altercation with Buzz because Buzz rightfully had it coming. Um, not, Not that I condone violence, but good. I'm glad Kevin stood up for himself. Like, Buzz is a shit. Like, just, ugh. Mm hmm. 
Uh, I feel like I grew up with a lot of people like Buzz, and they yep. all suck. Yeah, I mean, there were some people like that in school, but I don't know. I guess I didn't really have... I, there was one guy in, like, the townhouse complexes that I grew up in who was very much a Buzz, but I stayed away from him. I knew mm-hmm. way too many. Exactly like that type. Including, this movie felt amazingly authentic because... The kid that I knew that acted like Buzz made up stories like that, like about, you know, you'd have like the the old lady that lived on her own. So, of course, she was a witch and she ate kids, you know, and you'd be like, what? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, watching this when I was a kid, you know, it. It didn't seem that bad, but now watching this as an adult, Kevin's pretty mouthy. Like, mm-hmm. I am upstairs, dummy. <laughs> just yeah. yeah, I love yeah. that. <laughs> like the stuff he says to his mom is just so, just kind of terrible. He, I mean, he he's a smartass. He's not innocent he's, himself. He's a total smartass. And yeah, and you, I. Wh- but it seems like over the top. It. To me. it does i love the the back and forth between him and her because it's the only time that there's character development with him and the parents like you know everyone else seems kind of caricatures and how they treat him but his back and forths with his mom really feel like this has been an ongoing like passive aggressive stalemate with the two of them yeah like you know like this what it wasn't always like this you know and she's not quite handling it right, but he's pushing all the buttons. Yeah. You know? so well, it's just I like, mean, yeah. everything else going on. Yeah. Um, but with like it, it really, you know, after thinking about why everyone's so mean, well, when he talks like this, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Like it just, no, no child. No. It's kind of like, which came first. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, was he was he tantruming because they always treat him like crap, or is it the other way around? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that they've got like what six kids or something, six or eight, five, kids. five. Okay, well, it's still a large amount of children, and mm-hmm. I, I kind of the feeling that I got from this movie and this family was that he, you know, is the youngest and the last, and. Okay, you know, we had another kid, you know, we've already done four of these, you know, let's just, you know, do what we can with this one and, Mm -hmm. you know. It is, it is interesting that, oh no, it's Buzz's, I was going to say it's interesting that Suburbanite six-year-old has a BB gun, but no, that's, that's Buzz's. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a nice little kind of wink back to a Christmas story, I always liked that. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. Kevin's actually eight years old, by the way. Eight. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and going along with Kevin's attitude, his Christmas wish that he wishes everyone would disappear because they're all a bunch of jerks. Um, and uh, overnight, the power gets knocked out. And so everybody is rushing in the morning and they get outside and they're counting heads and they have the right count. But. But there was a neighbor kid. Like this mm-hmm. random 
neighbor kid just digging through their stuff and then after everybody starts getting in the van gets out and waves like and it, nobody notices. I mean, I know, exactly. I know they're in a hurry, but like, there's that's only so much. Well, they, I mean, they put the freaking teenagers in charge of wrangling the children. Exactly, the and that's that's what makes me think, mm-hmm. like, you know, oh, we had this other kid, like, you know, we're tired. The other kids will, you know, raise him or take care of him, and you know, so like, I I understand that the parents do love Kevin. They are definitely not coddling him no no and they are relying on the older kids to help mm-hmm. take care of the young i'm just gonna say something that always pissed me off about like the, the, the them you know waking up sleeping in quote unquote um i could believe that if it was like five in the morning that they were leaving they were leaving at 8 a.m In a house of 15 people, you're telling me that nobody would have been up at frickin' 8 a.m.? Do these people not go to school or work regular hours? Well, they're a mob family. (laughs) Yeah, right. That that always just bothered me. I mean, mean, like like I said, if it would have been 5 or 6 in the morning, I could have believed that. It just makes me thankful for cell phones and technology because right. if the power goes out, my phone still goes off. And a goof, a goof is that the clock said battery backup on it. Uh, Unless if the batteries wore out. You never know. Yeah, you don't. And uh, everybody, my, my parents had that exact same alarm clock. I think everybody did. <laughs> I think my mom had that one too. Like, mm-hmm. just ugly old, like, black and wood grain. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, the the the, the kind of like knotty pine type panel on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the family gets in the van, heads off, um, uh, agrees on the head count, and they get to the airport. And something that really struck me as kind of funny here in 2021, they say, you know, how long until the flight leaves? 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> from from where they were in Winnetka, it would take at least a half hour to get to no, the airport you, minimum. You this is when they're at the airport. They say, you know, it. find us the flight leave. When Frank says, "There's no way on earth we're going to leave, make this plane that leaves in 45 minutes." Okay, I thought I recalled when they were getting out of the van. They asked, but it's a moot point, and neither here nor there. Exactly. Um, anyway, they are running through the airport and i could have sworn that scene was longer right as a kid like i i don't know if it's one of those mandala effect situations but i could have sworn they played run run rudolph while they were running through the airport and it was longer yeah i, I can see that i mean i i watched this movie a ton as a kid it it seemed the same length to me but that's just me I think the last time I saw this movie was maybe like two or three years ago. I always convolve the two movies, um, airport sequences together. So mm-hmm. that's, that's why they always seem long to me. Cause I always remember watching like the second one and going, I thought that's how it happened in the first one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so at this point they get on the plane and mom has kind of a weird feeling like 
you know, something's wrong and, oh, they left the garage doors open. Dang it, which happens all too often at my house. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, they are running through the airport and they make it just in time to catch their flight. And the parents are in first class while the because kids are stuck in coach. And they just tell them to sit anywhere. Gotta let them flight attendants raise your kids for you. <laughs> sit anywhere with anybody. Like, is there no stranger danger here? Like, for real. This is this is ridiculous. It was 1990. Like, I don't care. Jacob Wetterling disappeared in what, 88? Yep. True. Like, yeah, 88, 89. Yeah, no. Even though it's 1990, there were still bad people out there. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, the things somebody could do to your child when they're sitting alone on an airplane? Are you kidding? I got no. lost for an hour at Typhoon Lagoon yeah. in Disney You World mentioned that, yeah. When I was eight years old. And I, at the time, I was just scared because I couldn't find my family. But just thinking of what easily could have happened to me. I'm in Florida. Do you know what I mean? At a yeah. place that's jam-packed, and I'm away from my family for an hour. Like, mm-hmm. oh, just some helpful person, you know, could have come along. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, yep. ugh. It's just, it's so yep. fucked up. Anyway. Yeah, one one of my regular podcasts is Let's Not Meet, and people have stories from their childhood, like, of, you know, somebody just grabbing their hand and walking off with them, and it's just, it's so... <sighs> Ewy, just ugh, like I don't even want to think about it. Nope. nope. Just, but yeah, just yeah, go sit anywhere. Trust anybody, no problem. Um. Anyway, we switch back to the house, and Kevin pokes his head in or out from the attic stairs because he was forced to sleep in the attic. Which I gotta say, I would have, I would have liked to sleep up there. They're like, oh, it's punishment. Go to the third floor. I'm like, okay, bye. Well, it's punishment because there's nobody and there's no toys. Mm. So, I mean, as much as you may like it, um, an eight-year-old probably wouldn't. I suppose. Yeah. Um, So, Kevin starts walking around and realizing that he is home alone. Roll credits. got his Christmas (laughs) wish. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, it's all good. That He's was got funny. Christmas wish. Like, everybody's gone. He doesn't have to deal with people being jerks anymore. Like, yes, I can eat whatever I want. You know, this this can't be happening. No way. Totally is. Um, so he just basically does everything that he's wanted to do. Um, he, you know... Eats popcorn while jumping on his parents' bed. He, you know, eats ice cream and watches bad movies. That Sunday looked so good, by the way. I've always thought that. uh, The buffet or whatever it is that they bring into the hotel room in two looks amazing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We'll check off on that, yeah. Yes. Um, But yeah, he goes into Buzz's room and... You know, plays with Buzz's toys and goes through all of Buzz's stuff and finds his secret Playboy and 
oh my goodness, he just has an absolute heyday with this whole situation. I still sometimes do the quote, like if I'm in someone else's room, you know, or if, if I'm like in some place and we should be, I'm like, so-and-so, I'm, you know, in your place, you better come out and stop me. <laughs> I still will occasionally do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like he, he's still trying to grasp the fact that he's home alone. Like he thinks that they're trying to just pull a prank on him, but no, nope. They they left him, and uh, while he's running around trying to find them, he actually winds up in the basement. Because of, of course, oh. of course, where where are they going to hide but the basement? You know, to hold that many people. Um, and he goes down to the basement and runs into Mister Furnace, mm-hmm. who is his, I guess, nemesis in the house. <laughs> um. Just, uh, yeah, just, um, it's his fear in the house. I don't know if either of you had, like, a house fear as a kid. But, uh, yeah, it just, I, I remember, um, my grandma's house, like, she would, she had, like, a living room set up in the basement with, like, cable TV and stuff. So I would, I would hang out down there. But if I had to go down there at night with no lights, mm-mm, nope, yep. I would sprint up those mm-hmm. stairs. No go. It it yep. was not it was not my bag. Unfinished basements are unsettling. Yeah, still to this day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind mine, but I just I don't know something about my grandma's. Just just a bit eerie um so yeah and uh at this point he sits down and makes a sunday and watches the movie that uh uncle frank wouldn't let him watch um which was actually a movie made for this movie and it's not a real movie um you can watch on, on the dvd you can watch the whole uh movie angels with filthy souls really yep you can Oh, fun. I want to do that. Um, I've, I've always wanted to see that movie. Like, to see, like, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I've i also thought about uh, having, like, a ringtone, like, keep the change, you filthy animal, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, it's also, fun fact, um, playing on the TV in the kid's apartment in Detective Pikachu. Is it? Yep. Oh, it was a fun. Goodness. It was a fun little nod. I I really enjoyed. That. I haven't seen that yet. It's oh, wonderful. So good. I've heard it's, it's great. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's coming back to. I know uh, Marcus theaters are going to be showing, you know, some some more vintage films, uh, just to mm-hmm. get butts in seats and whatnot. But it's it's a good one. You know, I highly I've recommend heard. it. Um, especially since one of my favorite Pokemon, you know, comes and saves the day. Spoiler. <laughs> Um, so he's watching junk food and bad movies and he even yells like, you know, Hey mom, I'm eating junk food and watching bad movies. You better come out and stop me. And still nothing. And, uh, he realizes why he shouldn't be watching this movie. And, you know, there's, there's bad language and violence. Uh, a guy gets killed, um, by a Tommy gun and, 
Like, even my son was like, oh, man, that's how I watch violent, scary things, too. I'm like, oh. I'm wondering how Vincent held up during these, especially the second one, if he had to, like, run out of the room at all. Uh, nope. Nope. He's uh, He's been doing pretty well. That's good. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, he, he sat through the first one. The second one didn't fully hold his attention. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> yeah. And so we switched to outside to a van parked on the street. And we recognized the driver as <gasps> Rando Cop. Cop. He's Rando not a cop. cop. Oh, my God. Rando okay. Cop is like, a burglar. The, the first time, did you see this? Did you put together that, like, Rando Cop was Harry? Because a couple of my friends were like, I didn't notice that till years later. I'm like, duh. So yeah. I'm strange because I, I, know, I know a lot of when I was younger, a lot of people didn't pick up on that when they were kids. Mm. But I was the strange person that had seen Casino at this point in my life. Oh, yeah. Or yikes. whatever. Or a, yeah, it was very strange, right? Not the whole thing, but it seemed like a clip from it. You know, so it's like I knew that mm-hmm. Joe Pesci was like, oh, that's Joe. He's, he's got to be the bad guy. Come on. <laughs> you know? Wait, but Casino, Casino was like 95, not, I want to say. Casino. Which one was it? it, it oh, uh, Goodfellas. Goodfellas. There we go. You saw that? Yeah, I, I lived in a strange house. I saw The Shining when I was five. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yep. No. I saw Jaws when I was four. Uh, yep. Still, The Shining. And I I have big problems with people who let their kids watch horror movies way too early. Um, my my like... father was an odd duck. He... he, he we could have a long discussion, but, but, uh, he would, my mother did bingo on Wednesday nights. She, she like had to run it for the school or else she had to pay more, um, tuition. Cause you know, that's the racket that the wonderful Catholicism gets you into. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, dad would have like guys night and uh. I, I will, I will say to his, to his, um, credit. He it was all movies he knew, and he fast forwarded the parts that were inappropriate. So I got the okay. gist of what was going on. Sure, but like you know, that's slightly better, right? So like The Shining, you know, and never saw the the naked, great, creepy lady in the room. It was just something scary happens in this room. Mm-hmm. You know, he fast forwarded mm-hmm. past it, and like in Jaws, he would always fast forward past the part where the little boy gets eaten. You know, and thing, and in Caddyshack, I didn't know there was a sex scene in the movie. Didn't even know what sex was. It, you know, mm, whatever. Yeah. But, but one of the ones I always go is he. He said to my mom, you know, I, I used to always screen them and cut out. She goes, "You showed them Cheech and Chong, Pete. Oh. There's really not much. <laughs> Did you just not play the movie? <laughs> like, oh. so, so it's a little bit. Uh, but um, yeah, he used I mean, to play like George Carlin comedy specials and stuff. It was, it was an wow. Odd yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, that's, that's not not duck. That's him watching what he wanted. Exactly. Yeah. Ding ding ding. Um, yeah. There was also like, a lot of alcohol involved, and that's why it's a conversation for a different time. Ah, uh, yeah. So like an entire generation being scared of clowns because they watched it too early. Mm, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Like I, I have friends who are scared of clowns. I grew up going to the circus, so I like clowns. I'm one of those weirdos. My but... wife's grandmother was a circus clown. So cute. Mm. Nice. Yeah. 
I'm just more annoyed by clowns. I'm just like, get away from me. You're not funny. Go. You're annoying. <laughs> but they enjoy doing it. Like, don't be a jerk to clowns. Well, I mean. Like, they're just trying to make you happy. <laughs> you sound like Pennywise there. <laughs> Ew. Just come Ew, on down I did here. Not. We'll float. You'll be happy. But but then again, I can't really talk because, you know, I some of my favorite movies as a kid are Return to Oz and Yay! The Witches. And I watched Wes Craven's New Nightmare when I was like seven. But that I found on my own. <laughs> I watched that really long, young, too, surprisingly with my mom. Love that movie. I don't remember it being that bad, honestly. I, I really liked it because of the fairy tale theme to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely something I should not have been watching at that age. Right. Um, and if you've seen Return to Oz, it can be pretty creepy, especially oh, with yeah. Nightmare fuel. Yes. <laughs> and the witches, which we will check off for later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not the remake. Sorry, no. Anne Hathaway. Yeah, sorry. Um, Sorry, Robert Zemeckis. Like, how, mm-hmm. how? What has happened to poor Robert Zemeckis? Back to the Future, Robert Zemeckis. Yeah. But anyhow, I don't know. This this remake was. Nope it was it, it was it was it was a mistake. Not, yeah. It, it should not exist. No. Um, I I understand what they were going for, but just leave it alone. Angelica Houston was pure perfection. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Um, anyway, uh, the burglars are casing the entire street, and uh, Harry uh, literally has a list of what houses lights are going to go on when. Like, the entire street is gone. Um, Which, okay, another thing I didn't find realistic is, like, I mean... Like, we we rarely ever traveled as a family, and by traveled, I mean go to even someone else's house. And on my block, there were a lot of people that were home. Yeah. I mean, I, I found it hard to believe that, like, everybody on the street was gone. I mean, except for um, Old Man Marley. Well, apparently they're all so stinking rich. But why would you leave for Christmas? Like, yeah, that was... I- I understand why they're going to see family in Paris. Yes, I and and that's another point. But yeah, keep going. That I was going to say. But seriously, you've got a house full of people, and with all of the holiday stress and blowout, why the hell are you adding traveling to it? And then in the second one where they go to Florida, it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's, like, it's all very strange. Yeah, I. I I always used to ask my parents, why would someone want to go to go away for Christmas? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get, again, like you said, why they're doing it. But it's like the whole street. Like, I yeah. knew, like, family. There was, like, a family in our school that went and visited their relatives on the other side of the country for Christmas. Because mm-hmm. they all wanted to be together. That makes yeah. sense. But everybody? Why leave? All your family's yeah. here. I, I could not agree with you both more. Um, I, Yeah, I've only traveled... When I, when I say travel, I mean gone out of state for the holidays. Uh, once was in sixth grade to Florida when my grandma was going through chemotherapy. And then a second time was uh, to Montana when my, when my mom lived there. But otherwise, yeah, we've, we've never 
never really left. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, so they sneak up to the McAllister house, or at least Marv does. And um, so I have burglars foiled number one, lights on. <laughs> Basically, Kevin turns the lights on and scares him off. Smart thinking. You know, I thought nobody was home. Well, you know, I guess there are. Whatever. Um, so they run back to their van and head off. The mom it has realized by now that Kevin is missing. And um, she calls the cops back in Chicago. Um, oh, yeah. I was going to mention I can understand going to Florida for the winter because these Midwest winters can be pretty harsh. Well, for the winter, <laughs> not for Christmas. But it's the only time during winter that you get a break. And oh. the kids are out of school. And, you know, they're not going to mess up their attendance or have to do a bunch of homework and blah, 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 blah. It's all the crap you have to pay attention to as a parent. Um, I mean, that's a legit point. Yeah. So she she calls the cops back in Chicago, and I just have here useless cops. I wrote that too, incompetent Chicago police. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, they they transfer her to a guy who's, like, just chomping on donuts, and he's like, you know, is he hurt? Is he this? Is he that? I don't know. He's that Now home. I'm worried he is. Yeah. Like, there's something called a wellness check. I don't know when the wellness check was implemented in police overall, but holy crap, just go by the house. Like, a kid is home alone. And, I mean, eventually they send a cop over, but at this point, you know, between the furnace, the burglars, him being home alone, and now, you know, this guy banging on the door, I'd be pretty scared, too. You know, and the cop is just like, yep, nobody's here, all locked up tight. Tell them like, to count their kids again. I'm like, yeah, your your ass is going to get sued. Have fun with that. You literally spent all of like two minutes there. It was it was just so ridiculous. And like for all you know, maybe the kid could be unconscious. Right. You know, like pick the lock and enter the house. Right. Or he that, could that be always yeah tangled up somewhere or mm -hmm. any number of things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, they, the aunt that is with them, you know, takes uh, her, <laughs> her, uh, her address book. Ah, <laughs> uh, 1990. Yep. Oh, What's an my. address book, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, my mom had an address book and we had to look yep. up numbers and addresses in it. And it just, it. Again, now in 2021, you know, 31 years later, because of technology, it's obsolete. Like, the address yep. book. Um, and it always bothered me how they they couldn't get a hold of anybody. Like, yeah. Like, nobody. I mean, okay. The entire block is gone. 
Right. Well, not just that, but like their friends from school and like because because the mom was like, call, call your friends from school. And the whole ad- I mean, I assume the address book was also people from around the city and elsewhere. I mean, if you look at the dates for this, it was December 22nd by that time. So not everyone. I mean, people would still be, you know, working. Not everyone would be away. I but again, know. whatever. Maybe they only know people on their street. Who knows? You know what? Again, you know, wealthy, wealthy people operate differently. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mom goes to try and get a flight straight back from Paris, which that's going to be a long flipping flight. <laughs> um, and there are no open seats for like two days. Which um, that is believable. Yes. Yeah. Holidays, mm-hmm. airlines, I get it. But they, uh, like, not even to any of the neighboring big cities. Day two, um, and Kevin has decided that he has to take care of himself. And so I guess, you know, living with such a big family, he has seen his father and his siblings get ready for the day. So he gets up and he's narrating (laughs) what he did (laughs) um, and talking about how he used like a cream rinse for shinier hair. And uh, I can't find my toothbrush, so I'll have to pick one up when I go out. And it's it's just it's funny, um, but then he uh, he uses some aerosol deodorant. Like <laughs> that's you gotta try real hard to find that now. Yeah. Uh, so like you know, most of the time we use we don't use aerosol anything, and mm-hmm. you know by now it's been changed so it's better for the environment and no chlorofluorocarbons but uh yeah at the time like it just <laughs> it it's a novelty now it just it's funny mm-hmm. um like i i think you know people would think he's spraying his armpits with hairspray right like yeah because <laughs> you know it's just so not a thing anymore um and he goes to put on some aftershave, and we get the classic Home Alone scream. Ah! Yep. <laughs> Hands up on the cheeks, everything. Mm. Um, and it's probably the main thing people remember from this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the iconic thing they use in all the ads. Yeah. Still to this day. Oh, yeah. That and the yes from number two. Check that off mm -hmm. for later. Yeah. Didn't Macaulay Culkin like redo that a couple years ago as an adult? Oh, he did. Many, many times. And and a funny funny thing I I meant to mention with the pizza delivery was there was actually on the anniversary of this movie, whenever it was either the 20th or the 15th or something, Culkin, they did up a local pizza restaurant in Illinois to be the pizza restaurant from this. Um, what was it? G- Gino's? No. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was little Nero's actually. Little Nero. There yes, you go. Cause the, yes. the fiddle. Yeah. The, yep. yeah. And, and Culkin and Culkin, if you ordered from grub or from their delivery would deliver you the pizza. Oh, geez. And, and I thought that was really cool. It was like, for one I'm night traveling to Illinois now. just to experience this. I thought that Not was that really cool. About this. 
Well, I don't know. He's got a baby with Brenda Song now, so oh, for him, that's good for them. That's wonderful. Yeah, well, good that he turned his life around because yes. it was bad. Ooh, well. Yeah, yep. I can't wait for American Horror Story. Yep, with yes. him, he's going to have a, a a sex scene with Kathy Bates, evidently. Wow, really? Yeah, good for good. both of them. Rock on. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful, that, girl. I just realized Little Nero's is likely a parody to Little Caesars. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But That's we're not going to say corporate names. Oh, sorry. Cut that out. Oh, yep. Um, so anyway, as the parents are still trying to call around and get a hold of somebody, we see that uh, Harry and Marv are at a neighbor's house. And they hear on the answering machine because these parents haven't given them enough information. They they let them know that Kevin is home alone with nobody else. And so, you know, I understand it's a movie and it's written into the script, but I just want to bang my head against a wall right now. I mean, they didn't know they were going to be there, to be fair. No, but still, even from the beginning where they're telling Harry everything, I'm like, Mm -hmm. stop. Stop talking. No, stop. So it just, it, uh, um, and then we find out their you know, name that they want to go by. By the way, why exactly did answering machines? Cause they all did this. It wasn't like something they made up for the movies. Why was it? It, it was so you could screen your calls, right? That an answering yeah. machine would just play mm-hmm. what the person was saying, yeah. but it's like, I'm so glad that hasn't been replicated in cell phone technology. Because how obnoxious <laughs> would it be if you send someone to voicemail that you just get like, you know, oh, could you make sure you pick up milk when the way home from work? Like coming out of your pocket during a meeting at work. <laughs> I on on that note, I have to say I'm very thankful for uh voicemail to text. So yeah. that I don't even have yes. to listen. Smells. I can just read them and decide if I want to call them back, which usually I don't. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, that that would be pretty horrible. I keep my phone on vibrate most of the time. Anyway, I just i i would i would uncheck that feature pretty fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Marv wants them to go by the Wet Bandits, where they uh, clog up your kitchen sink and turn on the water to flood your house. Just the worst. So it's, it's so bad. It's not bad enough that they're breaking and entering and robbing you of any and everything they can get. But then... They are causing, they are knowingly causing damage to your house. Like, For and no what are reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just to be assholes and make you, you know, make you, make your house even more of a ruin. Like, you know, you, you're already robbed, you know, let's fuck up your house too. Like, it just, ugh. It, uh, just these guys. Um, 
but Kevin is walking back from getting a toothbrush because uh, he was at, I want to say it was like a little like corner store farm yeah. thing. Um, and he ran into old man Marley that we uh, find his name out later. Um, mm-hmm. Which, hello, Christmas. Um, but yeah, old man Marley, and he's scared of him, and he runs off and winds up shoplifting a toothbrush and being chased by a police officer and has a lovely slide across a pond. Um, <laughs> and uh, my son has gotten into hockey via watching the Mighty Ducks, and there's a guy with like a hockey stick, and my son was like, Oh, hockey! He's probably from the Mighty Duck. Nice. And I'm mm. like, um, honey, the Mighty Ducks weren't around when this movie came out. <laughs> um, there was one of the actors that was uh, was cut from the the final cut was uh, in this movie. He was one of the one of the main uh, uh, people from the Mighty Ducks, and he was in all three, and then came back for uh, Game Changers. Funny enough. Oop. That would have been really cool. Yeah. Um, so the robbers plan to come back that night, or the burglars plan to come back that night. And burglars foiled number two. And I love this setup that he yes. does. I yes. love it. Whenever I hear rocking around the Christmas tree, I always think of this scene. Always. Yeah. Um, I just like Kevin has to be some kind of little genius. Like, oh, he's brilliant. It it's amazing and I understand it's a movie blah blah blah. But he gets all these like cutouts and mannequins and just shapes and sets them up like uh what isn't Michael Jordan going around on a train? Mhm. And like he has a couple set up at a table by the window and you know he's got some on strings that makes it look like you know there's a party going on and a house full of people. And that's how he scares the burglars off a second time. And if you're wondering how he had all those mannequins, it's because Kate was a fashion designer. Yep. Ah. Yeah, that I, wasn't in, in the movie, but in like the screenplay, I think. I, I love how everything in this seems practical. Like it seems like he had enough time to set it up and everything. <laughs> we'll check mm-hmm. we'll check off for later. I mean, granted, he's a very smart kid and you know, it, it is a movie, so it's a bit like you know, you look at, okay, so maybe the tools the dad had in the basement make sense for the things. But in movie number two, we'll check off for later. There is no time to pull off some of the things he pulls off. In well, even yeah. even even one. I, I yeah. write that in my notes, actually. He had one hour here and then three hours in two. Oh, yeah? Yeah, but whatever. Okay. Um. So Kevin decides to turf? order a pizza for dinner. And the pizza guy comes to the back door, and um, Kevin uses this, uh, what was it, Angels Without a Soul? Angels with Filthy Souls. Angels with Filthy Souls. Uh, He uses it to basically, you know, hurry the guy out of there. Um, And he pays for his pizza and leaves a pretty lousy tip. But he gets his lovely cheese pizza all to himself and good on him. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I just one thing they didn't explain in the first one is where he got his money. 
like from Buzz's room. Mm-hmm. I didn't think Buzz had that much though. But maybe maybe what maybe went hounding around the house for more. I don't know. Maybe maybe he found a stash in his dad's sock drawer. Who knows? Well, yeah, yeah, because Buzz's money was crumpled. That money yeah. was like clean cut. Yeah. Yeah, so that's either a goof or a plot point that wasn't explained. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he scares off the pizza guy. Like, I'm pretty sure he pooped his pants. Oh, and he... Yeah. yeah. I probably would, too, if I were... And, he, and he's lucky the guy didn't call the cops. Yeah. And um, there's actually another fan theory about this movie is that... Uh, well, I can explain it later, actually, with the traps. I'll wait on that. We'll check off on that for later. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Um, so it, this brings me to um, Kate. Kevin's mom is back at the airport trying to make a deal, trying to get on any flight she can close to their house or close to their city at least and i'm trying to find the list um i should practically the clothes off her back yeah um she she offers their two front uh two um first class seats five hundred dollars uh isn't it a translator, like a pocket yep. translator? Pocket translator, yeah. Um, and a ring. Isn't it her necklace and her earrings? Her, uh, her watch. Her watch. Yes, that's right. Because is that a Rolex? Oh, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> Who can tell? You can never tell. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. You know, I, I like that. You know, it's like we, we may be rich, but we're not that rich. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But you can tell, like, she is trying. So dang hard. Mm-hmm. Like she is trying everything she can, and like, despite how she was acting in the beginning, like she really cares about Kevin, and she oh, really yeah. wants. You know, she doesn't want her kid home alone. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, actually, this couple I recognize them from uh, other movies. They're character actors, and uh, they will both- be on. Or oh, sorry. They're both, um, they both have a lot of, like, one-offs, like, one episode in a series. Mm-hmm. Like, one character in one episode in a series. So, if you're hanging out on IMDb, you can definitely check it out. Um, but, and like... They, they will both appear on a Dennis the Menace. Check off on that for later. Another episode. But, yeah, um... Like, I think he, I think it said he was born in, like, 1914. Mm-hmm. And, like, he he has a very long career. And so does she. And, yeah. you know, they could easily be, you know, that actors as well. But I, I just, I had to go with John Williams instead. Um, so at this point, Kevin is missing his family. And he goes grocery shopping. And um, he picks up, you know, some food and, you know, things he needs. Uh, It was food, milk, and fabric softener, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just Mm -hmm. just the things you need to get by. Right. Um, And this exchange he has with the checkout woman Mm. just shows you how smart this kid is 
thinking on the fly. Because, like, the checkout woman asks, are you here all by yourself? And he goes, ma'am, I'm eight years old. You think I would be here alone? I don't think so. You know, where's your mom? My mom's in the car. Where's your father? He's at work. What about your brothers and sisters? I'm an only child. And this this is my favorite part. You know, she goes, where do you live? And he goes, uh, I can't tell you that. And she goes, why not? And he goes, because you're a stranger. Like, <laughs> yes. Yes, you have some sense in your head. You did not get it from your parents. Good job. Yeah, I wrote in my notes literally, cashier is a nosy bitch, LOL. Wow. That's a little extreme. I, you know, as a person who has worked extensive retail, um, I can definitely, you know, say that I have had to be that nosy for kids before um parents left their children at our store to go shopping at right. one of the biggest malls in the country in and expect the you to be a babysitter uh no they just expected them not to leave the store mm. right but yeah from yeah. the perspect from the perspective of the movie though right they they want you from kevin's perspective to be completely like this is like the oh crap he's gonna get caught like how much yeah. nosier is she gonna get? You know, it, it's kind of like, um, oh man, what's his head in uh, Love Actually, um, Mr. Bean? There, you know, oh god, <laughs> how many more things is he gonna try to wrap in this damn thing before I can get out of here? Before I get caught, you know? Yeah, no, I I totally get it, but shoe on the other foot, you know. I'm also the type of person if I see a kid wandering around alone you know i i do keep my eye on them to make sure they're okay and they're safe you know um that's just the kind of person i am um i'm kind of surprised she didn't follow him out it's an interesting perspective at her job it's an interesting perspective that if any of these adults were actually successful that have you know that tried to like you know get through to Kevin or like the shoplifter like thing. If any of these people were successful, his family would have been robbed blind. Well, yeah. he probably would have taken it. He would have been taken into CPS. Right. Yeah. And that's yes. what I mean. But the house yeah. still would have been. You know, it it it's just an interesting like, you know, catch twenty two of like, oh you. He, you know, at some point you start feeling for Kevin, like, oh, I really don't want him to have to go through what he's going to have to go through before you know how smart he is. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so Kevin starts adulting. He uh, he goes and he does laundry and he just he he's taking care of business and he uh, he's in the basement doing laundry and he sees Mr. Scary Furnace again. And he just tells him to shut up. Shut up. And he just shuts down. Mm-hmm. You know? And sometimes and it's just that easy. Mm-hmm. Now the burglars come back again. And this is burglars foiled number three. Uh, he scares them off with the Angels with Filthy Souls movie. Um and firecrackers in a pot right in front of the door. <laughs> um, and honestly, I'd be scared off by that, too. Mm-hmm. So, 
yeah, like he's he's doing a good job at holding down the fort. You know, he's he's you know, he's doing his life independently and you know, he's taking care of everything. So, you know, it's it's what he wanted, but he is missing people. Yeah. Um and so we switch back to Kate, who is in Scranton. I love this scene. Do you do you mind if I just say her speech to the the uh, checkout guy before uh, yes, she meets because Gus? I have a little more to say about Scranton. No, I know. <laughs> so you've you've been having. Um, You've been jumping in a lot before I can finish saying things. Keep going. Great. Um, so mom is in Scranton, which we know from The Office, which is in Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, that is uh, where um, Dunder Mifflin Paper Company Scranton uh, branch was. Yep. And uh, Michael Scott and Jim and Pam and everybody there. So, uh, unfortunately, she wasn't there long enough to visit them or in the same century, for that matter. But, um, <laughs> you know, it. we now have a better knowledge of Scranton. Um, but she has made it back to the United States, at least. Even though Pennsylvania is still a ways from uh, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, and she actually first landed in Dallas. Yes. Um, which, if I were her, I mean, I totally believe that they would be all gone. I would believe that. If I were her, the minute I landed in the States, if I could not get a direct flight to Chicago, I would rent a car and hit the road. I mean, she's she's trying to get there as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and I mean, while she is trying to um, reason, bribe, bitch her way into another airplane seat, yeah. uh, she does get interrupted by the poker king of the Midwest, who is also <laughs> an angel in disguise. But, Stefan, please, you know, entertain us with her speech. Okay. Yes. I have been awake for almost 60 hours. I am tired and I'm dirty. I've been from Chicago to Paris to Dallas to... I I don't know where I am. Where the hell am I? Scranton. I've been trying to get home to my eight-year-old son. I just... I love that. Catherine O'Hara just... uh, Just goddess. so good. A goddess among us. We... What did we do to deserve her? Um... Appreciated her work. Mm-hmm. Um, She's yeah. wonderful. So I'm so glad she finally has gotten, you know, her due with Shit's Creek. Oh my god, yes. Like yeah. uh that that show is amazing and she was fantastic in it. Mm-hmm. Um for Mother's Day, my partner uh, surprised me with a Moira Rose Funko Pop. Aww. So <laughs> it just it in the scope of TV moms, she is one of the top. So, you know, I just, I think it's great. She's she's sitting on my shelf next to uh, Brienne of Tarth. And uh, I just, I get to see her every day. 
Um, so let's talk about the Polka King of the Midwest. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So he is my MVP. That is the incomparable and taken from us way too early. Oh my God. John yes. Candy. Yes. Um, John Candy, who, you know, it's, it's fun to look back through his IMDb because, you know, he just always seemed to be around, but it's, it's crazy how much he jumped around. He, he got his start, um, in SCTV, which yeah. is why, which is why he got in with these, you know, John Hughes and, and other mm-hmm. folks. Cause it was, you know, on the, the twin cities, Canada, you know, j- jumping back and forth, um, between the U S and Canadian comedians, um, area, right. Where they were all just kind of sharing, um, comedy, um, you know, ability right they were in everything with everybody and this is how he got picked up along with a lot of other guys and i didn't know that one of his first films was actually 1941 i knew he was in it but i didn't know that was one of his very first i've never seen that it's um it's a mess but it's awesome to see spielberg try comedy Mm -hmm. um so it, it's a big, it's a, it's a blast of a movie to see. It just didn't quite work. But then, you know, he, you know, had cameos in the Blues Brothers. He was a main character in Stripes, which is a very dated film, but, but still very mm-hmm. funny. Um, mm-hmm. You know, then back to SCTV, then back to other things. National Lampoon's Vacation as Lasky, the guard at Wally World, which... That was one of the later (laughs) movies I saw with John Candy in it, you know, which was kind of funny because it was one of the earliest ones he did. But I always loved that role of the guy that's just like there to crap on the Griswold's good time. Um, (laughs) You know, uh, he was a state trooper and follow that bird, which is one of the most depressing yet wonderful children's films ever made. It's Um, phenomenal. you, You know, you can keep going on summer rental Little Shop of Horrors is Wink Winkles, uh, Wink Winkles, Wilco. Great Outdoors. I cannot speak today. <laughs> the Great Outdoors, which is one of my very favorite of his films. Him him versus Dan Aykroyd in A Battle of Wits <laughs> is just brilliant. Yeah. I, I want to know how much of that movie was improv. Aykroyd's, like, bits about what's going on. Like, he's like, what do you look see when you look out there? I see a beautiful, you know, wilderness. Oh, I see chemical dumps and dead bodies. And, like, you're like, what is, <laughs> what is wrong with Dan Aykroyd? Like, he's just... Um, <laughs> planes, trains, and automobiles, which yes. is, wow. of course. Um, Spaceballs is barf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a dog, half man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. <laughs> um, it just goes on and on. Uncle Buck, uh, you know, Home Alone, like we're just talking about now. Uh, cool Runnings, yeah. Cool Runnings, one of his one of his later films. Oh, Cool Runnings is so wonderful. And, and holy he, crap, in Cool Runnings, you could tell like his he his health looked like it was declining in that yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, it was such a bummer. Good. Yeah. But you know, um one of the hardest working comedians of his time and mm-hmm. taken way too soon. And and like you said, he's an angel. He he shows up yep. and basically playing, you know, like a, a runoff from SCTV. How how many funny jokes about this area of the country can we make in one scene? Basically. <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, the Kenosha Kickers, you ever heard of us? Did the song Polka, polka, polka. Polka, polka, polka. You know, it was a big hit. The kids loved it. I don't know. I'm sorry, did you say you could help me? (laughs) Yeah, she's just not having any of it, but yet he's still just so sweet. 
and yes. he does a great job at calming her down. And they're basically riding in like a budget rental truck. <laughs> that the band is it's so yeah. illegal. <laughs> the band oh, is yeah. just like sitting in the back of with all their gear. And it again, you know, there's so many great people in this movie that could easily be the MVP. But John Candy is it hands down because he's just a bright light of niceness. Mm-hmm. And and you mentioned earlier, you know, Catherine O'Hara in these scenes, it's like the movie intentionally is showing us, no, she is a really good mother. Like there's mm-hmm. just her and her son were caught in this like battle of wits. And I love that scene when he's watching Angels of the Filthy Souls and that scream of mom at the end where it's like, oh, no, he just needs his mom. You know, and her I mean, maternal instincts kick in at that point. Yeah, that's when she realizes, like, you know, I, I, we forgot something. And yeah. and it's great, you know, if you know, in the in the vein of holiday and Christmas movies, that surprisingly, even though you know there's scenes in in church with people singing, there, there's not a very there's not a ton of religious overtones in this movie, which is yeah, thankful. No. they're there because it's Christmas, right? But they don't. There's no like, and then you know. God comes and saves the day, you know, or anything like that. But I do like the idea of this character kind of, you know, he almost is there because of some sort of intervention that we're not saying what it is. And and Mm -hmm. I love that he's, it's exactly what she needed at that moment in time. It's perfect. And And yeah, it's, it's kind of like, you know, she, she's been through so much that, you know, in, trusting this stranger which stranger danger but still um you know in trusting that he's gonna get her where she needs to go um you know she can somewhat relax you know yep Mm -hmm. um oh and chris i was gonna say funny enough you consider his character an angel there's a fan theory that suggests i I actually commented that he was an angel in disguise Oh, okay, I thought I thought he said it first. Well, I'm sorry. I, I, I um I mirrored it, like I said, and also because Jess mentioned that he was like an angel. That's so. gotcha. Yep. Um, funny enough that you both mentioned that. Uh, there is a fan theory that his character is actually the devil. Because Interesting. It's, it's right when Kate says, "If I have to sell the soul to my the devil himself, she I'll get home to my son." Is when he walks up to her. Okay. Well, he still made it happen. No, I, I, yeah, I don't agree with that. And oh, then there's... That's, that's an interesting theory. Or, or if, if you want to f- play the, the angel versus devil theory, he, you know, maybe the next person that was going to come and offer her something was going to be that. And that's like the angel listening in that steps in and kind of goes, you know, fuck that. Like, here, I, I got you. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to look at it. If, and then if you want to believe in that kind of shit. I, I, yeah. I do like that it, it's the film's way of showing that she's been through enough now. Like she's mm-hmm. redeemed herself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think maybe it was um, basically just for how she acted before, you know, and not, you know, trying to understand where Kevin was coming from when he was having such a hard time. Mm-hmm. But then again, his attitude and his mouth <laughs> yeah. also weren't great. It's so, yeah. complicated being a parent. It is. Yes, it is. Extremely. Um, I actually had two points I wanted to talk about in this scene. Uh, one, I I want to say that I love John Candy. He was an amazing mm-hmm. actor. But what I love even more is he wasn't just the 
fat guy comic relief. No. Like rarely was he ever. And that's yeah. what made him great. Yeah, it just it's nowadays it's very difficult to find somebody that's not um well that is overweight who's not just cast as the fat person comic relief. I mean, mm-hmm. unfortunately, Chris Farley was typecast as that. Uh, rest mm-hmm. in peace. Um, and he he could have done so much more. Um, he he was a great actor as well. But even in his first SNL skit was the Chippendales one with, um, mm. with Patrick Swayze. Thank you. Um, yeah, like. That was his first like starring skit, and you know he he was the fat guy. He wasn't ripped, and even though he was chosen at the end, like, and that's you know funny. Um, it just even nowadays, like with uh, I don't know what year Pitch Perfect came out, but Rebel Wilson as Fat Amy, like that's her name throughout the entire movies. Um, and it just, it's, it's sad that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Hollywood has boiled down to just seeing fat people as, um, comic relief, except, um, Chrissy Metz. She's doing a really fantastic job. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, John Candy, really went above and beyond and would not let himself be typecasted. And it's, it's great. He did wonderful. I have a feeling had he not died, he probably would have won an Oscar by now. Probably. Oh yeah. Of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just um, the, the amount of seriousness he could bring to mm-hmm. his comedy too. Like the, the, you know, that he's the kind of character that would say anything in this, you know, he's, he's very rough around the edges guy. But he ends up telling her exactly what she needs to hear. And it's mm-hmm. it's just so perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so my other point is about the budget van. Uh, when, John, <laughs> when John Candy says they're renting a van. Like, I saw him at the budget counter. But they they do regular cars as well. So I figured they would just get, like, a van. Like, the airport van. But no, they're in the back of, like, a moving van and i gotta say they had to be freezing yeah Um, yeah guys have more muscle mass than women and they generate more body heat and i get being stuck in the back of a truck with what six guys but but still it's it's gonna be flipping freezing because they don't have heaters back there so you know i i gotta say i I have no idea how they did it. Like, maybe the power of polka heated them. But <laughs> it just, oh, it, besides being packed, I just, uh, just driving through the Midwest in winter overnight. Like, we've mm-hmm. done it a few times driving uh, to and from Maryland, from Minnesota. Um, it's, it's not fun. And we had heat in our car. So I just, uh, it's a situation that I'm glad she's in, but 
still, it's it's not you know first class on a plane. Yeah, I, I always thought it looked like a lot of fun, honestly, but I didn't put together. Yeah, it would be very cold. Yeah. Yep. Like mm-hmm. guy up in the front has you know the settings and the vents and everything. There's none of that in the back of this moving van. Mm-hmm. So it just you know. Besides no vents, there's no seat belts, no seats, no nothing. So, mm-hmm. like, quite honestly, if they weren't playing polka, I think they'd be pretty damn miserable. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, John Candy with his infectious, you know, optimistic outlook. Mm-hmm. Just uh, keeping everything going. Um just really saved the day. Yeah. Um, now, pulling back into the movie, um, Kevin decides that he has an idea. And he runs off to go see Santa. And he gets there just in time to catch Santa getting into his car smoking a cigarette after getting a parking ticket. And he's like, what? Who gives Santa a parking ticket? What's next? Rabies shots for the Easter Bunny? <laughs> Great line. <laughs> Great line. <laughs> um, and, you know, Kevin just says, you know, I know you're not the real Santa, but you do work for him. I don't want presents this year. I just want my family back. Mm-hmm. So good. Which, you know, it it's really the tipping point where you know he's he's regretful of yeah and he really understands that he more or less loves his family um and Mm -hmm. so after talking to santa and santa didn't have any candy canes so he gave him some spearmint tic tacs that was sweet um I, I had to look at the label because I do not remember green Tic Tacs. I'm like, are they lime? What the hell is this? <laughs> um, but they are spearmint, which is the best gum flavor, in my opinion. Thank you. Thank you. My mom doesn't understand <laughs> that. She always gets like stocking stuffers, like peppermint. It's like, no, spearmint or wintergreen. Well, I send, send it to Santa. <laughs> I'm a polar ice kind of girl. Um, even better, even better polar ice. But yes. only because I believed the commercials when they first came out that uh, chewing this gum was going to turn you into a polar bear. Um. <laughs> or oh, freeze you solid, I thought, like Mr. Freeze. Or oh, that was icebreakers. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Or like uh, what the Nike shoes that came out um, with the like spring in the heel and they would boing every time you like ran. Mm-hmm. I totally thought they were going to make noise. I Right. I was pretty bummed out when I found out they didn't. <laughs> so much false advertising when we were kids. Right? I know. Um, so Kevin winds up at church uh, where there's a lovely choir. Um, and he winds up having a very nice conversation with the not scary Mr. Marley. Nope. Um. And, you know, talking about how he misses his family. And so does Mr. Marley. And they really connect, you know, in having 
this conversation and Mr. Marley says, you know, these rumors that you hear, they're not true. You know, I had a misunderstanding with my son a number of years ago. That's why we don't talk. You know, I'm watching my granddaughter sing in the choir because I can't come tomorrow because my family will be here, you know, mm. and I don't want to create trouble. Yeah. Um, and Kevin has asked, you know, why don't you call your son? And um, Marley just says, you know, I'm afraid. And Kevin says, no offense, aren't you too old to be afraid? And Marley says, you can be too old for a lot of things, but you're never too old to be afraid. Amen. Which is very true. But then, you know, I think of the John Wayne quote about courage, you know, um, and, you know, courage isn't the lack of fear. It's just, you know, <laughs> picking yourself up and doing it anyway. Facing it but, head on. Yeah. 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 And so I just thought that was a really cool quote that yeah. you're never too old to be afraid. Um, I I want to touch on the um, the uh, the children's choir performance of Oh Holy Night and how beautiful I think it is. Okay. I just, I think it's phenomenal. Um, uh, the only other version that I perhaps like just as much of that song is uh, Celine Dion's. Mm. Yeah, sorry, Eric Cartman. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus was born and so we get presents. Thank you, right. Jesus, for being born. Or hear the angels something. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan of religious holiday music, um, just because I'm not a religious person. Mm-hmm. And there's there's nothing wrong with, you know, those who are. Um, everyone has a right to their beliefs. Um it I do like hearing choirs mm-hmm. sing holiday music. Um, like my favorite holiday song is, uh, uh, Hark the Bells. Um, Mm. we did that in choir when I was a teenager and just the, just how powerful it gets. And, you know, they start out quiet and get louder and I just, I love it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's probably my favorite holiday song. Yeah. Um, and it was nice to hear in this movie, you know, Mm. in. June. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, So, you know, after his conversation with Mr. Marley, he's feeling better. Kevin is feeling better. And um, I forget where he heard that the burglars are going to be back at nine o'clock that night. When they um, when they tried to stop by the house again and he. Was Wasn't every cup of tree that yeah, and he's like, yeah. yeah, which which can I just say I wrote in my notes that scene sends chills down my spine. Just seeing the reflection of Harry mm. in the um uh the the ornament, and he's like, Dad, can you come here and help me? Mm-hmm. Just, uh, and Harry knows there's no dad. There's oh chills. Oh yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Definitely the. Uh... The um, reflection in the ornament is creepy, creepy, mm-hmm. very creepy. And I mean, Joe Pesci um, definitely has a good look for a burglar 
or a mafia hitman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, so, um, this is going to be a long one, so I'm going to try to get through it. Um, so, Kevin makes a mac and cheese microwave meal, and he sits down and says, Grace. And um, I have not had many religious conversations with my son, but I also try to get him to not use the word God until he does some research and, you know, finds out what it means to other people and to himself. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he comes to find out that it's just a word to him, then fine. You know, no problem. But I don't want him just using it randomly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's it's one of the words i've tried to kind of erase from my house um just you know not that i erased a lot of words from my house but uh like perfect is another one Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. there's there's no such thing as perfect no or normal yep yeah that's another good one yep normal is the setting on the washer (laughs) (laughs) that's all it is um so kevin says grace and my son has um he's witnessed it at like family holidays um but he he hasn't really witnessed it like in movies or anything so like i had to sit here and uh kind of talk about what grace is and how it pertains to, you know, Christianity, the religion. Um, And then we got to talking about creationism. And then he uh, said that an ape was going to morph into a human. And then we got to talking about evolution. And so (laughs) uh, a small conversation about grace turned into a large conversation about religion, which is great. You know, it's it kind of led me into it and i it's a good thing um Mm -hmm. so kevin realized time is drawing near for harry and marv to show up so he kind of forgoes his dinner and sets up the house can Um, i just say it's always it always bothered me that he didn't get to take one bite of his dinner that's always even as a kid that but that just oh like no it looks so good I don't know. Microwave. Well, I was going to say, you know, microwave mac and cheese, but I just had easy mac last night, so I can't. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's mac and cheese. Even when it's bad, it's good, probably going to be good. Yep. Well, that's that's the thing. You know, if if it's sitting out, he can probably zap it and it'll be just fine. Right. Um. So these are the injuries sustained. Oh, boy. In, in this. um this climax fight between the burglars and Kevin. So first the burglars are shot in the crotch and the forehead respectively with an airsoft gun or a BB gun. Then they, one takes the front stairs and one takes the back stairs and they are all iced over. Oh, Mm -hmm. they're, They try to get up. They're falling everywhere. Then next, 
Uh, one gets an iron to the face, and one burns his hand on the doorknob. After that, uh, the one who, Marv, who went through the basement, um, gets to go up tarred stairs with a nail strategically placed. And Harry goes through the back door and gets a blowtorch to his head. <laughs> I love it. Oh, there's like, a really good like like a doctor's analysis for the video on YouTube for this and Home Alone too, where they it's it's great. Well, and I'm pretty sure MythBusters went through and did a Home Alone episode. What if you could survive and it all? That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think they found out like these guys would have been. Uh, a resounding, resounding no. <laughs> yeah. So after the tar and nail stairs and blowtorch to the head, um, Marv, nope, Harry, gets glue on saran wrap to his face and feathered, glued and feathered. And Marv, who has no shoes and just dealt with a nail to the foot, climbs in a window and winds up stepping on glass ornaments can i just say marv has the worst observational skills i have ever seen <laughs> and in the second one it's even more pronounced yeah i just he's ugh, just he's a bumbling fool he is and but that's the part mm-hmm. you know his physical so now, comedy is incredible <laughs> now the burglars in, are in the house and honestly i don't even know how marv is walking like, <laughs> oh absolutely i Again, I know it's a movie, but to have a nail go through your foot and then glass shards and not not even just one. Like I've had a glass shard in my foot and it uh-huh. traveled and I had to, you know, move it back up to the hole it made and take <sighs> it out. Like uh. that hurt. I can't even imagine mm-hmm. stepping on like eight ornaments that were down there and i oh just oh mm-hmm. that's just my sound for marv you know <laughs> mm-hmm. just marv is just oh so they uh harry and marv kind of meet in the foyer and they slip on micro machines i had a ton of those yeah, love micro machines. Remember the the uh, the micro machine city thing that would fold up into like a micro machine. Yep. Oh, I had that. Loved it. Loved it. <laughs> so Kevin is at the top of the stairs, and the burglars are at the bottom of the stairs. And once they get up from slipping on the micro machines, which are tiny cars with big wheels, and you know they they can handle some pretty good you know, destruction or being stepped on. Um, Kevin sends down a paint can and misses Harry, but hits Marv. And then he sends down a second one and hits Harry. Um, And then Kevin runs towards the attic over the tripwire that the burglars um, trip on. But Marv is so tall, he catches Kevin's pant leg. Uh-oh. What's going to happen? Holy buckets. Oh, my gosh. This is it. Kevin is done for. And there is 
Chekhov's tarantula. Yes. <laughs> awesome. And he grabs, you know, the tarantula that's just kind of been wandering around the house this whole movie. And puts it on Harry's face, or Marv's face. And he freaks out. The and, scream. Uh... <laughs> and actually, Daniel Stern could not scream. Otherwise, it would. they recorded it over it. He wasn't actually screaming there because it would have scared the tarantula. Yep. Oh. Mm-hmm. Some so trivia. Like the vibrations of his body. Then? Yeah, or the or the sound, or one of the one of the two, or both. I didn't think tarantulas had ears. Yeah, it's just the training. That was other. probably the vibrations. Yeah. 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 They were afraid it would have bit them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think they would have devenomized it. Oh but... yeah, that's still yeah. Works. Yeah, and so um, he gets the tarantula off him. It lands on Harry. And instead of, you know, maybe golfing it off of Harry and sending it to the other end of the hallway, no, he (laughs) winds up and smacks Harry with a crowbar. A fucking oh. iron crowbar. I swear he had to break a couple ribs. With yeah, that. Harry, Harry, Harry's Harry's passed out from the pain at that point. The sound effect is so mm-hmm. intense, too. Yeah. Um. And Harry gets up and grabs the crowbar and beats Marv with it a few times. So he's probably got at least a fracture in his uh, humerus, which mm-hmm. is your arm bone from your elbow to your shoulder. Um. If not a few bruises at at the very least. Um, And so Kevin gets up into the attic where he has made a zipline from rope and bicycle handlebars. And uh, he goes swinging across to a treehouse. And Harry and Marv, you know, climb out the rope instead of, you know, going out the first floor. Because they don't want to lose him. And uh, they start going across this rope. And Kevin <laughs> snips the rope with... Uh, um, like hedge clippers. I was going to say loppers. Um, but I think loppers are the long ones. Uh, yeah, mm. just uh, hedge clippers. Just your standard big-ass blade, you know, hedge clippers. And... Um, Harry and Marv go swinging right into a brick wall. Right into the house. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, Kevin runs to the neighbor's house and tries to make it look like he went down into the cellar and runs into the neighbor's house where the burglars had been before. And it is flooding. The water is still on, and it is flooding, and I still shake my head because it's so frustrating as a homeowner, mm-hmm. like, that they would cause that extra grief, that extra headache, that unnecessary just crap. Um, and so the burglars are actually waiting and they grab him and they put him up on the door by his sweater. And basically Kevin's caught. And all of a sudden, Mr. Marley comes in and the burglars each get a shovel to the head. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so Mr. Marley has come by and saved him. The burglars are arrested. And Marv is uh, is basically crowing about being the wet bandit. He's like, <laughs> oh, okay, so we can figure out which houses you've been at. Cool, thanks for that info. <laughs> and Harry's just like, shut up! Just kicking. <laughs> like, shut yeah. up, Marv! <laughs> Love it. Yeah, and... Uh, uh... Kevin had already called the police, so they were already mm-hmm. on their way there. But it was to the neighbor's house, which I always found odd because um, even in 1990, nine one one dispatches had caller ID. Uh, thank you, Rescue nine one one. A shout out to that <laughs> the recurring segment. <laughs> um, but because uh, it would have been odd that the call came from that house and not the address that Kevin said. So I don't know, but whatever. Well, I mean, maybe they ran over to that house to call. Who knows? Perhaps. Yeah. Um, actually, one thing that confused me is Kevin ziplined from his attic to the treehouse in their backyard, to my knowledge. But he was watching the burglars get arrested at the house across the street. He was back at his own house. Yes, I know. But... I, I'm just confused how he got to the house across the street from, like, his backyard. Yeah, the geography is, is weird. Oh. Yeah, it, it's a little wonky. I mean, he took the back road or something. I mean, it, it's kind of out of the way. I mean, yeah. Yeah, like, I figure if it's a standard suburban block, you know, there's... You'd have to go around the front. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, he would go yeah, okay. Side of the house to pass the front, across the street, around to the back of the neighbor's house, open up the cellar doors and run in their back door. I get what you mean. Like that's that's just a whole kerfluffle. That... I mean, it's not super far, but yeah. It it does not make sense to me. It is not logical. Like, if it's, as I was saying, if it's a standard suburban block, um, like, well, not my backyard doesn't do this, but on other streets, you know, a house's backyard backs up to the backyard of the house on the next street. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't he go to that house? I think like, they had a woods behind their house. Probably. Okay. I just, but again, I'm I'm speculating. Just off yeah, of, I'm, like, I'm trying to put the geography of it together in my head. Okay, but like, why wouldn't he go to the house next door? Exactly. You know, how would he know that that house would be open? Or you know, maybe he knew where their hide key was. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But it just well, that she, was the house that the parents called, right? Yeah. yeah. So maybe it's a house he's familiar with. Maybe it's a babysitter. You know, or something like that. Again, that it, could make sense. Yeah, but it's still wonky. It is wonky. The fact that we've had to have that discussion about it means that it's wonky. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the burglars are carted off, and um, you know, uh, Kate has this conversation about being a bad parent. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really touching because as a parent, Mm -hmm. you, 
every once in a while you have that thought like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I'm doing this to my kid. Am I being a bad parent? You know, um, am I being a bad parent by not letting my kid play Roblox? Am I being a bad parent <laughs> by, you know, um, making him read an hour a day? You know, am I being a bad parent by making him try new foods even though he doesn't want to? Or, you know, when he needs to be disciplined and I hate this. This isn't fair. Rah, rah, rah. And it's like, am I being a bad parent? Like, and so it's just, it's tough. And as, as a parent, you are constantly, well, not constantly, but quite often asking yourself that. Um, but right, there's every, no rule book. There isn't. Mm -hmm, no. And every parent is different. And so it just, um, I, I thought it was really cool to have that conversation. And like John Candy was talking about how he left his son at a funeral home for an oh. hour. What if, that was a what if that was a reference to, well, no, 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 my girl wasn't out at the time. That's a prelude would, to my yeah, girl. Yeah, there I we go. that too. Hmm. Interesting. I, I don't get it. Oh, you've never Dude. seen my girl? Uh, I have, but not for a long, long time. You know, he can't see without his glasses. Oh, well, the the, the main girl, uh, her dad runs a funeral parlor out of their home. And she gets locked in the basement with the cadavers at one point. Oh, okay. And same, I think that was a John Hughes um, related project as well, if I'm not mistaken. There we go. Sure. So... You know, the night ends and Christmas morning, uh, it is snowing, big fluffy flakes outside. Um, and and that, that, oh, I want to point out that that was real snow, by the way. Um, bec and they had the production because it hadn't snowed for a long time during production. So they had to rush everyone over right away to film the end because <laughs> they didn't know when it would snow again. Wow. Okay. Yep. Well, yep. and we do get those big fluffy flakes here in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. They're wow. beautiful. They're awful to clean up, but they're great. Just oh. look at. They're they're heavy and yeah. wet and gross mm -hmm. and make driving terrible. But yes, mm -hmm. they they're pretty for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, they they are definitely a novelty. Um, <laughs> something um that I noticed while watching this movie is Kevin sleeps in his parents' bed every night. And I I thought it was cute and pretty mm -hmm. sweet. Um, you know, he's he's really missing his family, and so he sleeps in his parents' bed. Yeah. Parents always have the comfiest beds. I don't blame him. <laughs> I mean, we do, but... <laughs> it's totally what I would have done. Oh, if, I was all if, if my parents were gone, I was always sleeping in their no, bedroom. No, but also if, if I was left alone, and that that's where my mm -hmm. brain would have gone because it's like maybe I'll wake up and they'll be there. Oh, you know, yeah. Um, well, even you know when he was scared when you know it was the burglars and then the cop came by, like he ran and he hid under their bed, mm -hmm. like <laughs> like that. It, in a kid's logical brain, that's like the safest place to be. Mm hmm. So I just, I thought it was really sweet. Um, and so Kevin goes downstairs and 
believing in the miracles of Christmas, he is looking for his family and running around, Mom? Dad? Buzz? Are you here? And Mom comes through the door, and she's yelling for Kevin. Kevin's yelling for her. And they finally meet in the foyer. And, you know, mm. he she apologizes to him. And, and she was not just apologizing for leaving you at ho- him at home. Yeah. But it was no. for not understanding you. Yep. And all the other crap. And I, th- I think that just means so much. Yeah. Yeah, I just kind of wish that had carried over to the next movie. Yeah, yeah well, it was a year. <laughs> yeah, it's kind year... of one of my issues with Finding Dory. Oh yeah. How yeah, so? The fact the, the the entire the entirety of the movie happens because Marlon is a prick to Dory again. Yeah. Literally, like, did you uh, not yeah. learn anything from the last film? <laughs> like, what's happening here? Anyway, well, clownfish are stubborn. It's true. <laughs> well, it's also difficult, you know, living with memory issues, yes. you know, and people mm-hmm. constantly second guessing oh, you. Yeah. Like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure you said that? Are you sure that's right? Are you sure that's where you put that? Are you sure? Are you sure? Yes. You know, it's yep. really obnoxious. Yeah, I might forget you know, the word I was trying to say, or I might forget, you know, I don't have the best short-term memory, but, you know, I remember I said summary instead of synopsis. Mm -hmm. I remember where I put the dog harness, even though, you know, it's been lost for a week, you know, that memory came back and I found it. Cool. Mm -hmm. Um, So it just, it's, it's a little frustrating, and I I can see both of their sides because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I'm kind of living it um, as a person with fibromyalgia. Um, fibro fog is a real thing, and it's yes. Um. So after they hug and mom apologizes, in walks the rest of the family. Oh. Everybody's home. It's a Christmas miracle. Oh, no, wait. It's been two days, and they were able to get back. Right, and um, it's like, if you would have just gone with them, you would, you would have gotten back just ten minutes later, Kate, <laughs> and saved all that yeah. money. <laughs> Not had well, to give up your jewelry and whatnot. I, I hope, I hope that that elderly couple, that they did not, I mean... Did did she have her jewelry on her? I couldn't tell, but I hope that they did. I would have just taken the tickets. I mean, God, first class international. Hello, I'll take oh, it. Oh yeah, no, she. I will she take was that. Offering the jewelry off of her body, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't take any of it. They wanted their flight. Yeah, I mean, so. first class international loan. It's like I'm sold. No problem. Did um, she first class to the Netherlands. No, I, that was oh. that was a a premium select like. Basically, uh, Comfort Plus. Oh, okay. yeah, the soft product of business, but not the not the hard product, my dear. <laughs> so once you know all the you know hubbub dies down, and they're getting back into the swing of things at home, and they uh, just leave him again, like <laughs> they just leave him alone again. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. We're back, and we, we're going to go off and do our own things now since we're all home, and we've all been stuck together for, you know, dealing with this for the past two days, you know. It's not like they could go enjoy France 
while Kevin's stuck at home. Yeah, I'd be pissed off if I was one of his siblings, honestly. But whatever. They got to ride on a plane. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. They're rich. They'll go back. Right. Well, that's that's one uh, of Vincent's life goals. Uh, my son is that he wants to ride on a plane. So cool. We'll we'll get there eventually. Uh, mm-hmm. But as Dad is walking around, he comes across something shiny on the floor and picks it up, and it is a gold tooth. Duh. He picked up the entire house but missed the gold tooth. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he's like, huh, wonder what this is. I mean, either way, they're slightly richer, you know, gold. <laughs> um, but at the very end, Kevin is looking out the window and he sees Marley's family has mm. been reunited and they came over for Christmas, Hanukkah. I don't know what Marley's religion was um but anyway they are together and it is lovely he called his son they have at least reconciled for the day um and that is home alone um the only other note i have is their jockey statue outside the house mm, yeah that's getting a hit like this By thing is tall Miro. enough well, and the uh, in the in the plane yeah. trucks, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. like this thing is tall enough. It is the height of about a toddler, or maybe slightly taller. Like you could see it pulling up. Um, and right. so uh, I have the number of statue dings as three. It got knocked <laughs> over three times. Yeah. So I yeah. I just thought that'd be funny to keep account of. I just want to add really quickly that um, the conversation with Kate and Gus in the van where he mentioned, you know, how his kid was left at a funeral parlor. Yeah, that whole that whole moment was improvised between the two of them. That's amazing. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. Aww. That was improvised. And uh, the end, I think the end and I guess the the final resolution with Marley and his family, they didn't put that in originally. That was like a last minute thing. I thought it added so much and just oh, yeah. jo- John Williams score the, yes. the sting at that. Oh my God. It's, it's beautiful. It's that. And the, um, the moment well, when Kevin well. is like running home to yeah. set up the traps, how, how well that lines up, like the lights coming on, following him home. That is just, that is just, just mwah, that is just chef's kiss. Perfection right there. Yes. And I love the little stinger at the end. Kevin, what the hell did you do to my room? <laughs> I mean, I would let that slide. I'd be like, here, Buzz, you know, get like the parents, I hope, paid him back. You know, it's like he needed to eat. Like, I wouldn't mind if he like had just gone through my stuff, but he trashed Buzz's he room. totally did. Well, I mean, the the I'm stuff fell down because he had to get to it, but the, he only he threw the Playboy, but that was it. Okay, but with how much stuff he had on those shelves, he had like six shelves. Mm-hmm. Like even even my eight year old son was sitting there going, "Oh no, that's Don't not a good idea. Shelf. You shouldn't do that." <laughs> like my eight year old son can see that that's not a good idea. There's got to be a step stool somewhere in that house. Yeah, 
I forget what he was trying to grab from the top, but the top is where Buzz kept his life savings. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I just quickly want to point out on Shudder, there's a movie that was released one year before Home Alone called 3615 Code Pere Noel. Oh. It's a French film that it has was largely unavailable to American audiences before uh, till it was on Shudder, and a lot of people consider like Home Alone kind of a ripoff of it. Interesting. It's a similar concept. More, It's like R-rated Home Alone, basically. Whoa. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's still on Shutter, but if you can find it on there, check it out. It's it's good. Wow. Sounds yeah. interesting. Yeah. So I should have brought this up at the beginning when we were talking about um, all the family members, but Jeff, who is Jeff one of the cousins or one of the... Um, His brother. McAllister. It's one of the McAllister brothers. Mm-hmm. I, he So I remember at seven years old when I first saw this movie going, it's Pete. Yes. Holy crap, it's Pete. Mm-hmm. Yep. Big Pete. And it's, it's older Pete. Pete from Pete and Pete. So, you know, he, he's my that guy for the movie. His name is Michael C. Morona. Um, but I had never really looked. You know, I knew that I had seen him in more places than Pete and Pete. But, you know, his acting credits are, you know, a bit all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Adventures of Pete and Pete being the biggest. But, you know, he, he's been on a lot of stuff. But things that I, I didn't realize I had seen him show up in um, – he was, you know, on other Nickelodeon stuff like Wienerville, and yeah. he's been on Law and Order. Mm-hmm. He was in mm-hmm. the movie Slackers, which is yeah. not Slacker, but Slackers. I don't know if you remember one that of one. one of Roger Ebert's rare zero star yep. films. He was is Slackers. In, he was in Forty Days and Forty Nights. Love that I remember, movie. I, I am rolling my eyes so hard at Roger Ebert. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we. Uh, I was going to mention him with his review of this movie. Actually, <laughs> he, uh, he was in. He was on Gilmore Girls. Um, you know, yep. and a mm-hmm. few other things. But interestingly, what I didn't know is he moved into the technical side of things. He's oh. been um, in camera and electrical department. You know, just mm. kind of working as like you know uh, behind the scenes guys in lots of stuff. Um, he, a, a few movies, you know, sex in the city TV show, sex in the city movie, the film right. cop out. And more recently he was involved in the entire production or a large portion of ugly Betty. Um, mm. um, the remake of Arthur that they did with that terrible, terrible human being that we're not even going to talk about. He's done stuff mm. on the Smurfs film, the Pan Am television show, men in black. I love that show. It should have yeah, lasted. It was great. Um, I, I do have to say, I I used to watch The Adventures of Pete and Pete, and he yeah. was a little older than me, and boy, did I have a crush on him. I can I can see it. You know I what don't I blame mean? you. So cute. It's still and I'm usually not into redheads, but he was cute. <laughs> I am. Um, redheads are and, hot. And then he's he's been involved in Marvel stuff. He did work on Luke Cage. He did oh, work wow. on Iron Fist. He did work on um, NYPD Blue. Um, and then the plot against America, he, he's, he's been involved in a lot of stuff. So it's, it's interesting, but, um, you know, I'll never forget him as Pete. And like, it really took me out of this movie seeing it the first like, that's not Macaulay Culkin's brother. That's Pete. I always yeah. forget that he's in the, in these movies. Um, and he yeah. has a, he does a podcast, uh, with Danny Tamborelli who played oh. little Pete. Oh, yes. wow. Yeah. I don't remember what it's called, but it's, uh, it's a pretty Pretty well-known podcast, apparently. I think that'd be a good one to listen to. Yeah. It really would. And and I I think they're a riot. They were a riot together on that show. And I always liked how Danny Tamborelli 
like was like Nickelodeon's little wonder child for a while. Do you remember like <laughs> that time period? Mm-hmm. It was a weird time period where Nickelodeon's shows got like super meta. It was right because Danny Tamborelli ended up being on all that. Like, but later, like after all that was a thing. Yeah, like season four, I think. And then they did like this variety show, which was like a, it was a game show, but one of those game shows where celebrities on your channel competed. Oh, uh, figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. And he was always on it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I highly recommend, if you want a great podcast, Bad Advice by, uh, you remember Lori Beth Denberg? She is one of my favorite young comedians you will time. love this podcast it's just like people calling because you know vital information with your from all that it's people it's people calling in with like information about stuff and every now and again like danny Temborelli will be a guest mm-hmm. uh, it's it. it's it's so awesome it's great I love it okay but talking about pete and pete i have to say that theme song is yes burned into my brain like yep. yes. it is one i will never forget that just mm-hmm. uh hey smiling strange you're looking happily deranged like ah, it, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly and it it was so good and catchy and it just do you it, know what it's really about no the kent state uh shooting yes it is yep oh. mm-hmm. weird right sorry right in the childhood cool <laughs> well Okay, Stefan, okay. so who was your MVP for Home Alone 1? My MVP is just the the house in and of itself. Uh, it's definitely something I always remember about this movie. I think it's a, it's a beautiful house. Uh, you'd probably call it a McMansion these days, I suppose. Yeah, it's a pretty huge one, though. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think a McMansion I read is like between five and 8,000 square feet, and then a mansion is over. 8,000. I've, I've read that before on, um, you know, for, for your realtor, how you like advertise something. But, uh, yeah, I just, I've, as a kid, I've always loved that house and it really broke my heart to found out that the interiors were not the house themselves. It was, uh, filmed, uh, in a, a closed, uh, high school, evidently in a, their gymnasium oh. they would set up the sets. Yeah. Kind of, kind of bums me out a little bit to know that. Yeah, I I think that's like the same way as like the Full House house though. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, there there's analysis that shows that yeah, the the, the stoop or whatever, the front yeah. door does not align. Yeah, or the windows. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a lot of stuff, but yeah, such is life. Uh, my MVP for the movie was Catherine oh. O'Hara. Um, I think she's such a fantastic actress, and um. This is probably one of the earliest movies I saw her in. Same. Um, this and Beetlejuice mm-hmm. um, that I remember her from. And she did such a great job as the mom in this and such a fantastic job as the mom in Beetlejuice. And she's had so many roles. Um, you know, she was in SCTV as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she was Sally in the nightmare before christmas um she's just been in so many things she was in a tall tale 
Um, she was in Pippi Longstocking in 1997. She, you know, was in Home Fries and uh, some mockumentary stuff like Best in Show mm-hmm. and um, the Christopher Guest stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And she just, as as I said, been in so many things. She was the mom in Monster House. She was on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, she was in Killers uh, with Ashton Kutcher and Katherine Heigl. Which I forgot is, she was in that. It, yeah, it's a yeah. it's a guilty pleasure movie of mine. I don't like to admit it, but I do like <laughs> that movie, and I know I made you watch it. And uh, I'm still not sorry. Um, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't bad. I'm not. I'm not holding that against you. And she was in. Most, a, she was the mom in Orange County. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then most recently, she was um, Moira Rose on Shit's Creek. And Fabulous. Amazing. You know, Just, I can't say enough good things about her. I she, know she. If you ever watch Tales from the Crypt. She's in a really good episode called Let the Punishment Fit the Crime. Mm. It's really, it's really good. It's the whole show is on YouTube. If you just Google it, it's mm. a really good episode. It's like, you know, 25 minutes long. She, she also did a lot of uh, voice work for a lot of animated shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually one that my son really liked was uh, Skylanders Academy. She was uh Sandra on that um, so yeah, she's, uh, she's been all over the board and she is one of the best comedians of our time. I would say. I agree. Who, like I said before, finally, finally got their due and their recognition. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. With, uh, with that being said, so jump into the critical score for Home Alone, 67% critical, which I remember it being lower even, if you can believe that. Home Alone, when it first came out, got a very mixed reception. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it only became a, a real holiday film. I mean, it, it did in like the next, you know, pretty quickly, but initially it got a mixed uh, reception. Like, Roger Ebert gave it two and a half stars, but, you know, he he was Roger Ebert. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 80% audience score and a uh, international box office gross, 476.7 million. It held the record as the highest grossing live action comedy film until The Hangover Part 2 overtook it 21 years later, if you can believe that, which... For an R-rated film to do that, that just shows you how popular those movies were. <laughs> um, I remember that that line in Dogma with Selma Hayek, where she would make bets about, you know, she or she was responsible for like nineteen of the last twenty top-grossing movies, <laughs> and she's like the one with the kid and the ah, that was not me. Like, <laughs> Uh, it's pretty good Uh, any more critical reception for us uh, no that's really all all I have Um, oh I was going to say the the fan theory and we'll notice this way more in the second one a common one you might have heard this is Kevin grows up to be Jigsaw 
No. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. Jigsaw or uh, Dexter? I could see Dexter. Mm. Uh, not Jigsaw. He he doesn't seem sadistic. Um, and I mean Jigsaw isn't sadistic until um later, and it's no longer. Uh, Tobin Bell's character. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, I could see him uh, turning into the character Macaulay Culkin played in Party Monster, actually, which mm. is based on a real case. Yep. Um, I've never seen that movie. So good. Like, I've heard. I I would own it, but it's kind of difficult to find on DVD. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, the case in itself is just wild it is it is just zany um Mm -hmm. yeah and everybody who was in that movie did a fantabulous job i've heard good things about it yeah yeah so with that said we're gonna bring up movie number two Stefan, take it away Home Alone 2, so I don't think I need to do a real, like, plot summary of this movie very much, because it's pretty much a, a rehash, largely, of the first in a new location. So I will read... second verse, same as the first? Yep. And, uh... <laughs> not a whole lot better and a little bit worse, let's say. Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah, uh... I love the, the, the IMDb synopsis, thanks to Anthony Pereira... Hypersonic91 at yahoo.com penned this. Kevin McAllister is back, but this time he's in New York City with enough cash and credit cards to turn the Big Apple into his own playground. But Kevin won't be alone for long. The notorious wet bandits, Harry and Marv, still smarting from the last encounter with Kevin, are bound for New York City too, plotting a huge holiday heist. Kevin's ready to welcome them with more battery of booby traps the bumbling bandits will never forget. Alrighty then. Yep. And the tagline is he's up past his bedtime in the city that never sleeps. <laughs> That's and where cute. did you where did you find that uh summary? On uh IMDB. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Yep. Yep. So so uh the movie opens with the identical to the original. The McAllisters, both uh both brothers' families are back at the house. Everyone minus a Heather, because Heather was Rob's daughter, the one they were visiting in Paris. Uh. And, yep, so she's not there, but everyone else is. And they're packing now to go to Florida for the holidays, which, again, you know, eh, you do you, you know. I would have left, like, huh? Sorry, I was going to say, honestly, I would have been happy not to see Uncle Frank again. Yeah, he he's the word. Did you know in the first one there was a deleted scene where he uh he pulled down Kevin's pants? What? At one point, yeah. Yep. Ew, if you, no. If you YouTube it, yep, it's there. Ew, no thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh a hefty no thank you. Right. So uh they're planning to go to Florida, and like I said, you know, traveling at the holidays, I mean if they would have been like we're going the day after Christmas, it would have been like okay. You know, cool. Uh, but so that there's a choral rehearsal that night where uh, Buzz and this, I, oh my God, like this was worse. 
this this was the uh production this wasn't a rehearsal no no the, the uh, choral pro- oh sorry production yeah i was thinking because re- oh. the um the the choral performance in the church in the last in movie the was, te- was a rehearsal technically yeah. yeah that's why i was confused yeah and so kevin has a big solo and buzz uh humiliates him and i'm sorry you do not do that to a small child no that is traumatizing to them i don't care i mean yeah kevin pushed him and i love how comically everyone falls down like dominoes it's like <laughs> small children come on here hold yourselves up but uh, anyways nope no, i can see that happening but then it's falling over too i'm like eh, come on i i make it a little more stable I humiliatingly, when I was a kid, like we were doing a spring performance at our school and I sang too early. It was like waves are rolling and I got like the first part out, the first word out. And then everyone laughed. And, and my, my, I think my mom was in the audience and she's like, that's fine. And, and our conductor, our teacher was like, that was my fault. Sorry. I mean, I'm like, thank you. Yeah. Actually, uh, my son's pretty much first concert um was like mother gooses something mm-hmm. or other and it was it wasn't the one i went to no no okay. this was before you um but the teacher was dressed up as mother goose and she gave a number of kids you know a line to say and uh vincent was the last one to walk up and he would not tell us the line he wanted it to be a surprise and uh the line was you know, oh, Mother Goose looks an awful lot like, you know, our teacher, Mrs. Mm -hmm. So-and-so, huh? And he, you know, has ASD. He's on the spectrum. Um, He has autism. Um, And people laughed um, because it it was a joke. And he didn't realize it. And he ran off Mm. stage. And, Mm. like, it took so long to convince him that people were not laughing at him, that it was a joke. They were laughing with him. Like nobody like explained it to him and he just so bad. Yeah. There was a point where like he was standing at the edge of the stage with uh, my partner who went up to try to console him. And so they're standing at the edge of the stage. And finally, after like two minutes of them, like standing there, I'm like, I went up, I was like, what's going on, guys? And he's like, he doesn't want to go back up there. I'm like, you don't have to. Like, mm. you come down. You don't have to be up there anymore. So it was it was a tough first one, but he has rebounded since. He did great at the one I saw. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, uh, Kevin, Kevin is sent up to the uh, third floor before uh, telling off Uncle Frank. Yeah. So beautifully. Like, I hope yes. I didn't ruin your trip, Mr. Cheapskate. I'm like, you, yes. oh my God. Like, I remember asking my mom as a kid, I'm like, you know, you know, I hope that if one of my relatives ever talked to me the way Uncle Frank did, that you would kick them out of house. She was like, oh, yeah, of course I would, Stefan. <laughs> I would tell them to leave. Um, look on what Fuller's face when he said that. Yeah, I was like, whoa. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> did you notice, speaking of Fuller, he now drink. he switched to Coke. Yes. Yep. Yep. I guess Pepsi <laughs> didn't want to sponsor this one. Yeah. Well. Or, you know, he, you know, people, I mean, Kyle switches back and forth between Coke and Pepsi. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, my God. And um, the freaking talk boy. 
Yeah. Holy early 90s Batman. Yes. I wanted one of those so bad, and I never got one. And they had, like, the talk girl as well. Yeah. That was, like, a course in pink. Yes, of because course. Of course. Because girls signify, ge- or colors signify gender, right? Right. People yeah. only like pink. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I did find it a little obnoxious when, you know, his mom was asking him questions and he would talk into the talk boy and then replay his answer. Mm-hmm. I'm like, really? Really? Come on. Yeah. And so, as per the use, the family, they don't get up in time, which this one is even more unbelievable. This was dad's uh, fault. This was just stupid. Yeah. It was like, so he unplugs the um, clock to charge something and plugs it back in and the 12 o'clock goes across the screen and it's like, you didn't you didn't notice that blinking? And when they wake up in the morning, it's still blinking. And like, that's yeah. the only clock in the house. You know, you'd think, like, I would, if I were Frank or Leslie... I would have set. I would have brought my own alarm clock and set it. Given what happened last year, I would have done that. But, anyways, I I find it interesting because, like, me and my partner both have alarm clocks besides our phones. Mm -hmm. Like, we need we need multiple alarms to get up. Yeah, we are we are not morning people. But like, if you unplug one of them, there's still you know another one as a backup, and Mm -hmm. it's just like, really. Like, you only have one alarm clock? Like, that yeah. just, I don't know, that just is is odd to me. Mm-hmm. I agree. And so, uh, the as usual convoluted series of events have to occur. So Kevin gets on the wrong plane, and this one is pretty, pretty bonkers. And you see here why, this is another reason why they don't let you, you know, play headphones or whatever when they you know are about to take off because he what? didn't hear a non-stop to new york oh yeah you know, it's like dur, dur. well i mean the french guy was talking to him but you know in in the confusion you know another guy wearing the same coat as his dad ran by which is how kevin got confused and followed the other guy i mean that that part place. is legit but also like you know he dropped his boarding pass we can't you know I mean, the stewardess should, or the flight attendant should have been like, you know, oh, sir, are you this person's, are you his dad? You know, but well, whatever. the plane was about to take off. Legit. Like, they didn't, they didn't really have the time. Um, That's legit. But again, watching this with my son, he's like, oh, you know, I hope that would never happen to me. And I'm like, no. Because nope. we Post would be 9/11. running. Well, even so, we wouldn't be running ahead of you. We would be holding your hand. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way we would let you get lost or be so intentionally, um, what's Far the word behind. for? No, so intentionally, like, overlooking where my child is. Like, not right. noticing. Blase or whatever, yeah. Well, I mean, they've got their head, you know, on the plane and they're trying to go. But, mm-hmm. you know, in learning from last year, you should grab the small kids and make sure they are with you. Like, well, Kate tried to do that, remember, at the gate, but the the gate people like hurried them on. They're like, we'll make sure everyone gets on. 
Yeah, that was really, really frustrating. I'm like, you don't know how many people are in there. Right, right. And did you did you recognize the uh, the gate the gate person from the previous I movie? Did that was her. Yep, she had a career change from an elf. She upgraded. Yep, upgraded. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, I didn't notice that till someone pointed out like years later on like a BuzzFeed trivia section or something like that. Uh, yeah, so they they uh, arrive at their prospective destinations, and I love the the give this to Kevin, give this to Kevin, and they're like Kevin's not here, just like how like they're like oh again Kevin's not here, what a shot. Yes. Kevin's not here. <laughs> Kay just faints. I love that. Um, so, um, actually, when Kevin gets to New York, mm-hmm. um, he talks to a uh, person that works for the flight company, which is I my, have this in my notes. Thank you. That yeah. person yep. for this movie, it is the incredible Ali Sheedy. Um, mm-hmm. she, she is such a chameleon. Like it just, it's so great. She's been in a whole number of movies, you know, from X-Men Apocalypse down to, you know, um, just, oh, just so many. I can't even like think of it. Mm-hmm. She's on, you know, Kyle XY for a while. She, you know, was, um, of course she was in, uh, The Breakfast Club. Yeah. And um, she was on Psych. I saw her on there. Um, and just in a whole number of things. And she was part of the Brat Pack of the, the Brat 80s. Pack. And she's just got this whole, like, line of um, acting credits. And mm-hmm. she, she's great. And so it was kind of fun to spot her in this movie. Agreed. Um, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize that was her till like I was much older. Even though, even after I knew who she was, I love. I love how she addresses Kevin as sir. Yes. Even though he's you know ten, uh, you know nine or ten year old kid, which we'll get to Kevin's age by the way and the discrepancy with that. Uh, check off on that for a bit. Uh, a movie I remember her from. It was like a crappy direct to video one called Shelter Island. Mm. It was she plays like. Uh, like a, a woman, like a, one member of like a lesbian couple, and then Stephen Baldwin comes in and shake the, shakes things up. This but this was before Stephen Baldwin became a born again nut job. Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's came out in two thousand three, but it was two thousand one when he became that way because he said it was right after nine eleven. So, anyways, well, you know, everyone has their beliefs. Exactly, everyone has their own journey in life. Yep. Yep. So, and I think she was considered for the role of Kate McAllister, actually. Oh. Yep. I could see that. She might have been a little young, but whatever. Uh, for five kids, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When when your your youngest is like, or your oldest is like fifteen or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Kevin realizes, you know, he, my family's in Florida. I'm in New York. So he just goes all across the city in a glorious montage. That is just like I felt like my mom is from Queens. I fell oh. in love with New York City when I saw this montage. Okay, it just is everything beautiful of the city, and that is why New York City is my MVP of this uh-huh. movie. Okay, yep. Uh, if I have one regret in my life so far, it's that I never got to visit the World Trade Center. 
And I could have. Well, you can still go to Ground Zero, I think. Yeah, I mean, Freedom Tower is pretty spectacular, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I have to mention that, one, at least they're on the same continent. <laughs> you know? Um, and two, at least they're on the same coast. <laughs> they, yeah. they at least have, you know, some decent things going for them this time. I mean, they're they within, not... what, like 2,000 miles? They're not an ocean apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an improvement. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so then we cut to uh, Peter and Kate, and they are, uh, they're with uh, airport security. And this whole conversation, I-, I would have had half a mind to call Child Protective Services. Yes. On these two at this point with they're like, we keep losing our luggage, but not our kid. <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> I'm like, um, I, I was really frustrated with that too. Um, I, I just kind of wanted to chalk it up to, you know, if I don't laugh, I'm going to cry. Oh, of course. Oh, so, absolutely. Like there's, there's literally nothing left to do, but laugh right now. That's legit. Otherwise, I'm going to fucking cry that this fucking happened again. I understand that. Yeah. So then we cut. That was my reasoning for it. It's all Mm -hmm. good. Definitely. Uh, So we cut back to New York and the uh, wet bandits are walking along in in, um, Times Square or uh, just Manhattan in general. They've escaped from prison as per a riot. Yep, we saw in a news article, a convenient, convenient uh, newspaper article is convenient, <laughs> indeed, for plot development. Uh, and so, they're call- uh, Marv wants to call them the Sticky Bandits at this point. <laughs> and why yeah, is and, that? And, holy crap, is Marv even more of an idiot in this movie than the previous one? Again, everything is really over the top in this mm-hmm. one. But why yes. did... Why did he call them the Sticky Bandits? Because the uh, the tape. Yeah, he wrapped yeah, his hand uh, in tape so he could grab stuff easier. Mm-hmm. Like he reaches his hand into his Salvation Army bucket, which boo Salvation Army, but mm-hmm. just like grabs a handful of change and it's just stuck all over his hand. <laughs> it's so so ridiculous, like. Mm-hmm. Ugh, like this this is not going to help you with anything. No, it's not. No. Yeah, and so they uh pass Kevin on the street and Harry thinks he which which you know it's like in New York City it's hard to run into people even when you plan to run into people. <laughs> I mean they need that that plot device, of course. Of course. Yep. Well, and, and so, honestly, are you gonna forget that kid after what y'all went through a oh. year ago? No, no, absolutely not. And so uh, we, Kevin walks through Central Park for the first time at this point, and uh, he meets Pigeon, uh, the Pigeon Lady, and that is her credited name, Pigeon Lady. Okay. She is my that actress, and Brenda, she is my MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brenda Frickner, uh, best known perhaps for. My Left Foot, mm-hmm. which she, she won the Oscar for three years prior. Uh, our generation will most know her from this movie, in addition to Angels in the Outfield. 
Yes. I loved her character. Oh, yeah, she was, uh, have you ever seen So I Married an Axe Murderer? I haven't. Oh, my sister loves that movie. Yeah. Loves that movie. And she, she's, uh, uh, Mike Myers, uh, mom in that movie, which Uh, that movie is such a prelude to Austin Powers. Is it? Yeah, there's a lot of like like the the accent that his dad because Mike Myers plays his dad too, oh. and the accent is just like fat bastard. Mm, yeah, great. Yeah, she was in. Uh... Oh yeah, Masterminds, a really stupid, kind of obscure movie with uh, Patrick Stewart. Huh. These like she's like a headmistress at the school, and these uh, people are trying to like take it over with a computer systems or something like that. And then like this other student is like inf- this, the troublemaker student is infiltrating it. It's so, it's so like 1997. <laughs> yeah. Never gotten okay. a DVD or Blu-ray release, kind of an obscure mm. release. Oh yeah. Albert, Albert knobs noobs with Glenn close. I never saw that. Nope. Oh yeah. Her last role before retirement was forgive me where she was one half of a same sex couple with the late, uh, Olympia Dukakis. Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so anyways, he, you know, I love his reaction to her. He's just like, sick! And, like, walks away. It's like, honey, you ain't seen nothing yet. Just because she's covered in birds? In pigeons. You know, she's not, like, you know, tweaked out of her mind on meth. You know, I, she's... I just... I think it's so funny because, you know, in 2021, Sick is like, whoa, dude, that's sick. That's cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But... Back then, Sick was like, ew, sick, nasty. And yeah, it was so, kind of about like the late 90s it came to be, I feel like. Yeah, I just, you know, mm-hmm. again, with my eight-year-old son watching this, he gets sick as, you know, oh, that's cool or awesome. He doesn't right. get sick as it's gross or nasty. Right. So I just, I thought that was an interesting like comparison between the times and the language. Right. Right. So Kevin enters the uh, world renowned Plaza hotel, which is now condominiums. Another thing I never got to go to in New York city. I went to New York city in 2005, by the way. So this is post nine 11 and the uh, Plaza hotel had become condos at that point. Uh And he encounters nobody at all. Nobody (laughs) as he, uh, goes to the lobby. Nobody yep, at all. Absolutely no one. Nobody. Nobody. Nope. Nobody nope. takes notice. Nope. 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 And he uh, goes to the front desk and, uh, you know, or he, you know, first of all, he calls. And this voice, this voice recording, it's like just so, so fake. It's just like, <laughs> I would think that was a prank if I was, if, I mean, and, these, you know, these people that work at the, I mean, this is a, a four star, five star hotel. Like these people are trained to spot that, I would think. Uh, but no, not really. I mean, it could be a number of things. There are men that have very deep baritone voices. I guess there yeah. are people that speak very slowly, and I get that. You know, it's a recording slowed down, and it's meant to be funny, but. Right. The thing is, I mean, you don't know who's calling in. It could be somebody who's had a stroke and speaks very slowly. That's Or, legit. you know, any number of things. And so, you know, um, honestly, with uh, customer service, 
um, jobs unless it's blatantly a joke like, you know, oh, my name is Peter Ian Staker and my swan has gotten out. Oh, piss taker, you know, which <laughs> wasn't a joke. But, um, you know, something silly like that, you just kind of have to take it at face value until, you know, you find out otherwise. Okay, I mean, that's that's a good point, I mm. suppose. And, you know, it could be a bad connection. Yep. Yeah. Like you said. Uh, so then he walks over to the front desk and, you know, is, you know, suave, jokes around, and they, the plan works. Gives the credit mm -hmm. card. And I love how Kate is like, I don't know if, I don't think Kevin would even know how to use a credit card. I'm like, honey, have you, have you met your son? <laughs> he, he's smart. This kid yeah. is smart. And so he goes up to his room, his beautiful suite. Okay. I got to mention about the credit card though. Yeah. Real quick. The, uh, the, oh my gosh. I know what the, you're going to say. Yeah. The, the, oh God, I don't even know what it's the, called. The perforation machine. Yeah, the 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 switcher, I don't even know. It's it's where they like basically run uh the a piece of like thermal paper over the card and get like an imprint of it mm -hmm. and like give a receipt and have to keep like a hard copy of this imprint to be able to charge it and you know, for their records and it's just it's it's so funny. Like when when I worked at that toy toy store at Mall of America, like when I first started, they had one like at each register in case the registers went down. Mm. But like by the time our store remodeled, like they were in a bin in the office, like collecting dust because they were just so not used. Yeah, I was going to say it it was old fashioned for 1992. Yeah. Even I guess they wanted to seem like, you know, oh, we're, you know, fancy and whatever is what they probably wanted to do, but vintage. Huh? Or vintage oh. or like oh. keeping up with the aesthetic. Mhm. Mm Things like right. that. Right. And so uh Kevin checks into this beautiful room where uh Rob Schneider is the uh, bumbling bellhop. Who is Chris's that person? Mm-hmm. And he will comment more on that a little later. Yep. Uh, and the a goof I noticed in this movie, even as a kid, was uh, so this is one year later they established it. Kevin was eight. He was in the second grade in the first movie. Mm -hmm. And this one, he said he was 10. He's like, I'm 10 years old. TV's my life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they did this. This was made two years later. So, you know, eh, not a big deal, but just something I notice. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I definitely noticed it too. Um, uh, I, I know it's one year later, but I'm like, you know, did he have a birthday in January, which made him nine? Did he round up? Did he do Could this? Be. Did he do that? Like all these like questions to like fix it, you know, kind of pop into my mind. You know, like if he's there for Christmas and his birthday is January 9th, you know, my birthday's in two weeks. I'm just going to round up. That's a legit point. Yeah. I suppose. 
Um, but I guess if he was in second grade, well, he could, maybe maybe he got held back in kindergarten or something. I don't know. Maybe, but it uh, does happen. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He seemed like a child that might have, like, you know, ADD or ADHD early on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so Kevin just makes himself at home in this room. And that, like you mentioned, that food spread. The oh, ice my God. cream bar the ice spread. Cream. Oh, yes. oh, amazing, amazing. And he gets, uh, he's watching Angels with Even Filthier Souls because... <laughs> Because this is a sequel, we need a sequel to the movie within the movie. Of course. Yep. It was yep. such a hit the first time around. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, and so, you know, we cut kind of back and forth. And we don't see much of the the family in Florida is mostly an afterthought with them even trying to get back, even more so than the first movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like the first movie did have a great deleted scene, by the way, with um, where... Uh, Peter talks to Lenny, the blonde daughter with braces Mm -hmm. at night when they're in the place in Paris. And it's like, you know, we should, we should go back and, you know, we should take the flight tomorrow and go back to Kevin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a really sweet scene, but anyways. Yeah. I guess I feel like with them being in Florida and him being in New York, this is, she could easily have jumped in a car and gone up there or Mm -hmm. jumped jumped yeah. on a train and gone up there right. like it's it would have been much easier to travel to you know find well him this time they had but to figure out where he, was. where he was exactly you got yeah. it exactly so uh uh harry and marv you know are still there they're concocting their plan and i love i love when they're at the ice skating rink and harry just slaps the pigeons <laughs> with the newspaper <laughs> I love it. No, I think pigeons are adorable. I know people are like, oh, they're gross. I think they're cute. Pigeons are so cute. They're so cute. They're so puffy and just oh. Have they're you so... seen baby owls? How they're like a ball with fur. Yes. Oh, but adorable. Like, but like pigeons, when they walk, they do like the cool like head bob and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so it just it's it's super cute. Yeah. There's a flashback to uh, Sesame Street. Bert or Ern or Bert loved uh, pigeons and he had like a dance oh. or something. Yeah. Something okay. like that. Yeah. And uh, so Kevin gets himself a limo with yeah. a, a cheese pizza. Oh yeah. And we forgot uh, the night before uh, Tim Curry's character. I don't remember his name, but he went up to try to investigate the situation because he thinks something is afoot. Mm hmm. I just, the villain was right podcast should cover this and paint him as, you know, the, I mean, not the wet bandits, but, you know, him as the, the villain who was correct. Yeah, um, I I really feel he was definitely a villain. Like, he was yeah. totally out to get Kevin mm-hmm. this whole time and prove that he was wrong. And it's like, you know, if the kid has a room and he's there with his dad and he's not hurting anybody leave him alone mm-hmm. right uh yeah mr hector credited as the concierge so he <laughs> goes up and kevin creates a diversion with a uh inflatable clown uh just like the uh the party scene in the original <laughs> just like that with a recording and everything okay so the clown was basically in the style of Bozo. Did you ever watch Bozo growing up? 
I did not actually. Oh my gosh. Like I used to wake up early to watch that at like 6 a.m. on I want to say it was on WGN or Mm -hmm. yeah WGN and I used to love that show like the um, he had a game where you would toss a ping pong ball into buckets at the end like one lucky kid would get a chance to do it and at the very end there was a crisp new hundred dollar bill and I always wanted to try that and it's just it's such a thing from my childhood and so I thought it was really fun to see these uh these or this uh bozo clown jess i'm just checking here are we still recording i think so Um... oh yeah oh christopher's recording the call but if he hung up that won't matter um it says he's still in the call oh okay i think he just left got it so, okay. like, when we end the call, it'll end. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Just making sure. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So, Kevin gets a limo and a cheese pizza all to himself, which, oh, my God, I'm just like, that is the life. <laughs> that would just be, like, like that would be good living. Um, my and he goes would be all about that. Hell, mm-hmm. I would be all about that. Hell, yeah. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Uh and he goes to uh, Duncan's Toy Chest, which was the original uh, FAO Schwartz in yes. New York City. Do you remember FAO Schwartz in Mall of America? Yes. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, after seeing Big, I've always wanted to visit FAO Schwartz in mm-hmm. New York. But I don't think it's there anymore. No, it's no, it's it's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're defunct as a company. I know. Another thing I missed out on. For wanting to go to Florida over New York when I was a, a teenager. Mm. Oh, poor you. Yeah. Islands of Adventure was fun, but whatever. <laughs> uh, and so, okay. So he buys there. Uh, so, by the way, uh, ha- Duncan's Story Chest will be a plot point because Harry and Marv are planning to rob it mm-hmm. after dark. Uh, 2375. I wrote my notes. 2375 for A Thing of Slime. A pocket knife and a map. Shit in New York City is expensive. Yes, it is. Yep. Yeah, I mean, even, I mean, they're probably $40 now at least mm-hmm. for all of that. Yep. And uh, so, Kevin, as he exits the store, the uh, the sticky bandits are waiting for him now. And Kevin, Kevin totally did the right thing. Make a scene. In public, if if someone is about to do something to you. Oh, yeah. Scream. Scream bloody murder. Yell fire. That's what you're like, supposed to yell. That, like, he, that was exact, I mean, Kevin's clearly a really smart kid, as we've, uh, as has been illustrated already. And so he runs back to the hotel, and uh, the, uh, the concierge, uh, Tim Curry, reveals, you know, the credit card's stolen. And he threatens to have him arrested, so they chase him back up to his room, and we get the the uh, angels with filthier souls uh, <laughs> part where they have to, you know, play. Which at this point, couldn't they have seen the TV? Like, I feel like with the, I mean, this is a big suite, yeah. But I still feel like with your peripherals, you would have seen stuff going on and be like, okay, this is fake. But mm-hmm. maybe not. Um, and we get the uh, 
you know, Cliff, the security guy's name is Cliff. You've been sleeping. Well, wait, was it? Oh, wait, well, okay. He, I thought, I thought they were trying to go for a gay joke there. But no, no, because it was the woman she was would have been sleeping with him, the woman in the movie. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he runs down and is ambushed, and of course they knew, they knew to wait for me. Did they even see him go into the hotel? Um, I mean, between the three of them, um, I I think they would have seen mm-hmm. him going sure. in and out. Yeah, I suppose. And they ambush him by the uh, the loading dock, mm-hmm. which is smart on them. And this is when the movie, when I think it takes a really dark turn, where they flat out say they're going to kill Kevin. Yeah, yeah. That's, after, that's after a bit some, much. After someone has said that to me, I know you're a kid and you're scared. If someone said that to me and they threaten me and we're in public and they're like, I got a gun in my pocket, I'll shoot you if you say anything... I, I would still make, I would still fucking make a scene. I would take mm-hmm. my chances. I'll be like, try it. I mean, um, yeah. And so he manages to get away because they find this. So there's the woman, of course, convenient plot device that uh, Marv happened to like run into, you know, and she slapped him before and Kevin pinches her butt again. Great thinking, Kevin. Uh, no, no. Well, I mean, ew. I know you, but he needed to get away. Okay, but you can kick the back of her leg. You can pull on her jacket. True. You can pinch her arm. You don't need to sexually grope this woman in front of you, especially being a 10-year-old. Ew. I mean, that's a legit point. I never thought of it that way. Like, it just, ugh. Like, you, there are so many other ways to get her attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not cool. Nineteen ninety two. No, no. That woman was credited as Veronica, which she she just looked like a Veronica. Yes, she did. She just looked like like a like some kind of a sexy vixen, early nineties name. The massive massive earrings are so early nineties. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the uh, the blonde Bob was definitely the Bob. Nice. Yeah. Speaking of early nineties fashion, can we talk about going back to the first movie, Kate's? shoulder pad jacket <laughs> how prominent that was like holy crap yeah oh i really um, liked kate's hair in the first one did not like her hair in the second one see i liked it in the second one maybe it's because my mom styled it like that at one point mm. she styled it just like that pretty much okay yeah same color and everything and uh anyways so then kevin is now you know stuck he's he's wandering around new york city and this this scene of New York City at night. Uh, so Vincent did not make it this far, did he? Um, yeah, no, we uh, we had to cut it up into several um, pieces to try and get through it today. Okay. Um, and honestly, we did not make it to the end. Oh, okay. Sorry. Because I would have thought he would have run out of the room screaming at this scene. Which scene? This whole scene of New York City at night is terrifying. Oh yeah. Which, as an adult, it's fucking comical. It's um, it's it's comical. As as I said, he wasn't paying much no. attention, so like he kept asking me questions. Like, uh, he thought, um, Tim Curry, Tim Curry's character was Marv. You know. Oh. 
mm-hmm. at one point. And mm-hmm. I'm like, nope, completely different people. So, so Kevin is, you know, wandering around and you got, you know, the, the, the guy, you know, maybe he's, you know, schizophrenic or whatever, talking to themselves, you know, and the, someone's probably a drug addict. And those two women were probably prostitutes. Yeah. Which is really dark when you think of it. And then, um, you know, the term is sex worker, sex worker. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, it's, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, and, and the funny thing is this is when Giuliani was mayor and he was supposed to clean up this shit, but I digress. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, uh, Kevin runs to the park after the trying to get in a cab and the cab driver, it's like that, I, I, that guy was not scary to me at all, at all. Okay. If, if you have watched men in black, you know that there are all different sorts of looking people, especially mm-hmm. in New York. And who drive cabs. Yep. Yes. I mean, yes, aliens he... got to make money, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that guy, I mean, he was harmless. He was just joking around. I kind of right? felt bad for him. I felt bad for him, honestly. Um, but anyways, so Kevin makes it to Central Park and pigeons are sweeping everywhere. Mysteriously. Uh-oh. Uh, the pigeon lady appears. He tries to run away. His foot gets stuck. She pulls it out. And he runs away for a second. He realizes, you know, hey. She just helped me. You just helped me. You're not trying to hurt me. I'm sorry I screamed in your face. Yeah. You know, do you know some workplace warm? And she says, yeah, I do. And then they go to uh, the music hall. And by the way, in this uh, interim moment, uh, the family finds out that Kevin is in... New York. So they hop, they hop a plane there. They get out, they're able to get on the same flight, which is pretty incredible for that time of year. Didn't they say again, you know, go pick your seats or at least in the beginning they did. Well, they, when Kate was handing out the ticket, she's like this time of year, we're lucky to be on the same flight. Don't worry if you're in separate seats. Yeah. But again, stranger danger. True. Yeah. I mean, which at this point, it's like, just, just go to New York alone. And just leave everyone else in Florida, but whatever. Well, even so, nobody wants to deal with, you know, you shouting to your sister who's two rows up and, you know, a mm-hmm. row over. Like, well, just put them all in a couple rows in the back and it'll be good. This family is clearly quite entitled. I forgot to mention in the first one when they run up to that poor woman at the payphone. And, and just they just grab like, the phone. Just like push her out of the way. It's yeah. like she doesn't understand your what you're saying. It's like you know, uh, and that... then like to the person on the phone, she's like, "What? I don't understand you," and just like uh, hangs up. Like it's like, "Gee, what a shock! You're in a foreign country." Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe learn some of the language before you go. Right. Just I mean, talk. Peter knew a little bit. He was trying to communicate to the guy on the phone, like parlay anglais, ici pa, you know, whatever. Yeah. He tried, but anyways, so yeah, but one out of like fifteen. Come on now. Right. For sure. And so uh, they arrive at the hotel, and I wrote here in my notes, Kate's claws are out, and I love it. Oh, yeah? She is in mama bear mode <laughs> at this point. She is just, like, just like seething at the mouth, practically. Like, I'm going to find my son. No murderer mugger would dare mess with me. I'm just like, you go, girl. Yes. You get Kevin. Don't worry about anything else and um mm-hmm. so like she slaps tim curry when he tries to say you know like 
you know, be like, don't go outside. It's dangerous. And, you know, Good. just like, she's just like, shut up, just shut up. You know, <laughs> I love that. Um, so uh, Kevin is then he's at the, the uh, attic, I guess, of a music hall. I think, I guess it's radio city music hall. Are we to assume that? Perhaps uh, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask if it's like the New York Philharmonic or something, like what Let's the see. what the orchestra uh, was playing, or who the orchestra was. Uh, but, yeah, it doesn't say for filming locations. Oh, I really, um, I really like that. She's like, yeah, you know, I come here and I've seen some of the best, mm-hmm. you know. Um, singers in the world and like she's she's naming off more classical artists than anything and she mentions um, Luciano Pavarotti and like she, I watched this oh sorry she you know despite her appearances she knows how to enjoy life it seems yes yes I always get you know a little sad when she mentions Luciano Pavarotti because I watched this movie with some friends, like, just days after he died. Mm. I remember that. And we're like, oh, he just died. Yeah. And so, you know, Kevin gives a repeat, you know, speech where she talks about, you know, how, like, um, you know, how, like, she was, she wasn't always like this. You know, she had a, a job and a family and, you know, a man that loved her, but the, the man that she loved fell out of love with her. Yeah. And she, you know, presumably had a mental breakdown. Possibly. It always really scares me just, you know, how any of us could, you know, become destitute at any yeah. time, you know, with, with a breakdown or just life. Yeah. Life. I don't know if it's still on Netflix. There's a great movie called Shelter mm. with Jennifer Connelly and Anthony Mackey. Uh, directed by uh, Connolly's husband, uh, Paul Beatty, mm. another Marvel connection there, um, yeah. about these two homeless people uh, in New York City, like who, who, you know, they're homeless for different reasons, and they fall in love and help each other out. It's, it's an incredible story. Nice. I don't mean yeah, to tear up, um, it's just really sad. No, it's fine. Um, I mean... I I really hope people who have never faced homelessness mm-hmm. can realize how good of a life they've had. Yes. Um, I, you know, after my ex-fiance and I broke up, I really didn't have a place to go. Um, I could have lived with my aunt and uncle, but I would have had to quit my job and I really loved my job at the time. So I was couch surfing for about Mm -hmm. a year and that, that was pretty difficult. And, you know, it's, I'm very thankful to, you know, the people who let me stay with them. Um, Or like, you know, just after I had my son, my body went haywire and, you know, I developed my, um, autoimmune disorders and you know with that came you know uh, fibromyalgia and um, arthritis and weight gain and basically changed my entire life and it, it was difficult enjoying being 
a new mom and going through this excessive pain Mm -hmm. just because I had a baby, which is Mm -hmm. supposed to come naturally. And, you know, it just, it, it's, it's really scary how easily and quickly your life can change. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Connelly's character in that movie holds up a poster that says like a sign that says, I used to be somebody. Hmm. And that's really powerful to me. Mm. Um, Anyways, so, uh, you know, Kevin does a similar, you know, talk that he did with Marley in the original. And, uh, you know, basically is like, you know, not everyone is going to be that way to you. Give people a chance. And so she also tells him, you know, if you've been bad, you know, tonight, if you do a good deed, it'll erase. It'll count extra, basically. And he walks past the children's hospital. And by the, by the way, having to spend Christmas in the hospital that, especially when you're a kid, that that's rough. You've done it. No, I mean, I mean, I can imagine it would be very rough. And I feel for that kid in the window. And, um, Kevin remembers back that they, uh, the, uh, so Mr. Duncan of Duncan's toy chest was going to give all the money to the, uh, the children's hospital at midnight that, that they earned that day. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, the sticky bandits are going to rob it. So he knows what he has to do. And he just, boom, the, the John Williams score kicks in. Of course. It's like, go Kevin, you go kick ass, set everything up. And here he has three hours to set everything up and he goes to, uh, so uncle Rob, the, uh, the uncle from the, where they were visiting in Paris, their place in New York, which is uh, under construction. Yeah. Yeah. Or under and, renovation. Right. And so he, you know, climbs in, sets up booby traps and then, uh, traps the, you know, ambushes the sticky bandits, Harry and Marv at the toy store. And he, I love this part. Uh, where he takes their pictures with the, what, what's that? What kind of a camera is that called again? The Polaroid. Polaroid. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I always wanted one of those and never had one. My grandma um, had one, but mm-hmm. we couldn't like really use it because I guess film for it was expensive. Ah, uh, makes sense. Or the paper for it. Mm-hmm. And I love when he takes the picture and Marv like poses. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Marv. And so uh he leads them back and then this is this is when the movie is okay, my main complaint about this movie. Cartoon violence and and they would have died in the first movie. Oh let's, yeah. Let's get that out of the track. But this movie a cartoon and this is what one time I agree with Roger Ebert is that cartoon violence in live action especially in a PG family movie is not funny. No. And this went like the, the bricks to the head. Oh, he, he would have been dead. And so having people murdered people like that. Yeah. Like definitely. It's not that he, he would have probably been dead with one brick to the head. Oh yeah. Instead he's comically, you know, like, Harry, look at you. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like even even my son who is eight, he uh, he saw ads for Tom and Jerry, and he's like, 
they're really mean to each other. Yes. And, yeah. I mean, that's that's how cartoons were mm-hmm. back in the day. And it just, it's, it's you know, I, I try to be an attentive parent mm-hmm. and monitor what he watches. But, like, even to just have that mindset, like, oh, wow, these cartoon guys, like, are mean and they hated each other and mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And uh, Kevin Smith, I think, brought up a good point where he said, you know, they maybe should reverse it for kids and show like, you know, a level of like, like where when you get hurt, you bleed, you like you bleed and you get hurt. Mm -hmm. You don't you don't get up and brush it off like in Power Rangers or whatever. Yeah, that you should maybe reverse those didn't get hurt. Okay. well, no. There was one one time there was blood in one of the later seasons, I believe, and that was that was really edgy for the show. Yeah, but um, that's all we'll talk about the Power Rangers because exactly. a lot of them was problematic. Oh, a lot of them were problematic, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, uh, so this the laundry list of traps, and some of them are really, and then you know you get the whole like, like where Marv gets electrocuted and you see his skeleton. For a sec, it's like that is just uh, just kind of cartoony again. Cartoon violence, yeah. Cartoon violence, but it's uh, supposed to be funny, right? And he's like, "Harry, I've reached the top," and he just like falls down, <laughs> <laughs> and you're back at the bottom. Yeah, uh, shoots yeah. and ladders, real life. <laughs> yes, yes, and uh, which okay. So the movie, The Good Son. Yeah, came out came out one year after this movie. Okay, and everyone was so shocked, so shocked to see Macaulay Culkin in a role like that. I'm like, Why? did you watch Home Alone too? <laughs> it's not that far off. I would watch Home. I would watch The Good Son over Home Alone two any day. Damn. Yeah. That's a statement. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that movie. It was really underrated. It just got bad reviews because it was like, oh, Culkin is a sadistic little creep, but well, it's a good it's, movie. It's Culkin and Wood and they're little bitty kids, but mm-hmm. it's still so good. It is. So, it is. It's, it's amazing. Right. And so uh, through all the traps then, they end up on the roof and he, Kevin, goes down the rope and lights it on fire it's soaked in kerosene as they try to come down because he gotta you know play up the rope again you know like they were from the first one they were trying to the rope again in the other one because <laughs> yep. we'll homage how many things we can reuse yep yep and uh so they fall down and the paint cans fly on them and so kevin runs to get back to central park oh yeah and uh the using a payphone. Which, was Vincent like, what is that? No, um, we didn't make it that far. Oh, okay. He would have been unsure. We've, we've talked about payphones before. Like, <laughs> Dan and I, you know, think, think it's fun to talk about, you know, old machines in the past. And, you know, when we see something that may be foreign or odd to him, we mm. choose to explain it. Next time you go up to Duluth, take him to Video Vision across the bridge in Superior. Uh, maybe. Yeah. 
I'd love to see him react to a video store. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, uh, so he calls the police on there and this whole, you know, I mean, I get he slips on the ice and it hurts, but it's like, you were so, and you, you were so observant this whole movie, this whole movie. And that's where you slip up. Yeah. And the wet, the sticky bandits have come on to him, you know, not, not come on to him. Cut, cut this out, please. Uh, they set upon him <laughs> And capture him, and it's like, oh, is it over for Kevin? It's like, oh boy, and and I, I wrote in my notes, Harry, I didn't make it past sixth grade. And doesn't look like it going to. I'm like, Harry was deprived as a child. <laughs> I mean, he had a rough childhood, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, suddenly again, we see pigeons are gathering, and it's the pigeon lady, and she tells Kevin to run. Yes. Throws the seeds onto him and they just, the pigeons attack yes. him, which I can't think of a worse way to, I mean, I don't know if this would have killed them, but I no. can't think of anything worse than getting like eaten alive. It's pidgey power. By an animal. Yeah. Do you remember, you remember the Fear Street books, of course, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Did you hear about the movies that are coming out next month? The trilogy on Netflix? Yes. Yeah. It's about damn time. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was one death in that book where they like coated someone in so- like syrup and uh, like oats and fed them to horses. Oh, I mean, horses don't have sharp teeth, but their mouths are tough and strong. I know. Mm. Like Ugh. I, I would take pigeons over horses any day. Oh, definitely. Um, like pigeons, their beaks are small enough that they're not going to take big chunks out of you and they're not strong and Mm -hmm. yeah they might have sharp little claws carrying diseases Mm -hmm. but even so they're not going to take big chunks out of your flesh and crush bones right right no thank you Mm -hmm. and so the cops arrive and you know they get arrested and i love here how marv just like spills (laughs) <laughs> we're yeah. gonna rob the toys are shut up Marv <laughs> just like just hits him and uh so uh Kevin heads to Rockefeller Center and that's where Kate meets him because she has an epiphany like oh where would your son be with the, the helpful cop which I've seen that cop in other movies he was almost oh, yeah. my that guy I've I recognize him mm, he was in um he was he was he was Chevy Chase's boss in uh, Man of the House, that movie I've talked about before. If mm. you Have you seen that? I have, but not for a mm. very long time. It's on Disney Plus now. Oh, good. Yeah. And um, so he, he, they meet, you know, and they have their, you know, heartfelt reunion. Of course. Yep. And uh, we're back at the hotel, and they're in this, you know, presidential suite or whatever, because, yeah... Yeah, that's the least you can do, fucking hotel. Plaza mm-hmm. Hotel. Yeah, you know. Okay, no but they... that suite oh, it, was banging. It was boss. It, it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. And um, so they wake up and there's, you know, presents everywhere. And from Mr. Duncan, because Kevin was kind enough yeah. when he broke the window to set off the alarm. Which I remember, I for some reason remember... It being like, like when I first saw the trailer for this movie as a kid, it was a beach ball that broke the window. But this is, you know, my stupid five year old memory. 
yeah, Beach Ball can't do that. And he wrote him a note, you know, saying it was just to, you know, set off your alarm. I'm sorry. I'll pay for it if you don't have insurance. And it's like, oh, you're thinking. <laughs> I love him. And uh, so then uh, as a thank you, Mr. Duncan, you know, sends them all these gifts. And uh, we cut to Central Park. And the pigeon lady is there and Kevin arrives and he's like, you know, Merry Christmas. And he's like, I want to give you something, a turtle dove. You know, this shows you, I, I'll never forget about you. You'll have one olive one. We'll be friends. Aww. That was, that was really sweet. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, the interaction that woman had with him was probably the most interaction she's had with anyone in years combined. And. Uh, not necessarily. But well, I mean, the most, the most probably- heartfelt. Yeah, it probably meant more than yes. a lot of yes. interactions had. I remember on IMDb, there was a post where someone was like, you know, if Kevin was really nice, he would have, you know, invited her up with his to, you know, spend, you know, with his family. And my response to that is, you know, I don't think she was ready to do that yet. Yeah. I think mentally that was all all he could give her was their friendship. And that well, and she and appreciated it. Yep. It, it was more special. It was. It was. And, uh, you know, I like to think that she turned her life, or, you know, like, you know, I don't want to say turned her life around because, you know, it's not like she was a bad person or anything. Mm-hmm, that, that, but... she, that, she, that she sought out help. Let me say that. Or, you know, she just finally realized she was ready and, you know, mm-hmm. started climbing up from where she was yeah exactly and uh we get to the room service bill that kevin uh, accumulated what was it 967 (laughs) dollars on room service and kevin's dad yells it and somehow he hears it from central park which by the way i would have turned right around and handed the hotel that bill and be like you're paying for this Mm-hmm. I I would have been like I'm not paying a dime of this. You can you can call my lawyer for everything that they put Kevin through. Mm-hmm. You know, alone. Not to mention you know how they spoke to Kate or you know any of it. Like, no, it's 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 ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure that's what happened in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, Home Alone two. You know. A good sequel, you know, not as good as the first. Pretty, you know, uh, like a whatever you call like a, a ripoff sequel, uh, which maybe is an oxymoron. <laughs> but uh, um, it it doesn't really seem like a ripoff sequel, more of a lazy sequel. Thank you, thank yeah. you. I like that. Um, Macaulay Culkin was paid four and a half million dollars to do this movie which was a record at the time for a minor mm. that was unbroken until uh, Daniel Radcliffe, uh, Rupert Grint and Emma Watson for like, I think it was the fourth Harry Potter movie. Wow. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't, didn't he have like financial trouble with his parents? Yep. That happened uh, not long after that. That's actually why. So home alone three did get made. Yeah. We're not going to talk about that. It it has nothing to do with the original. The house supposedly makes a cameo in the third one. I've never noticed it. I've seen it like twice. What did never... they move across the street? 
<laughs> right, right. Um, so the only similarities that takes place in Chicago and the the bandit plotline is a little bit in there. But um, anyways, so there were plans to do a Home Alone three that would have had uh, Kevin as now a teenager home alone again for whatever reason and the wet bandits escape and like try to you know finish him off they probably would have rated a pg-13 i'm sure mm-hmm. by this point uh but it was when so after richie rich in uh two years later in 94 was when Culkin was in a really bitter uh legal battle his parents basically his dad especially uh worked him to the bone and took all his money so he got himself legally emancipated mm-hmm Yep, and that that's why Home Alone 3 never happened the way it was supposed to. Ah. Um, yeah, there is a, a new one coming out for Disney+, Plus. I guess a remake. They're calling it. Uh, and there have been a couple like made-for-TV versions, which, like hol- the heist of the holiday, which I think is the fourth or fifth one made for TV, well, the, the fifth one made for TV, I've heard is really good, actually. Wow. I've never seen it, though. It was like a, you know... ABC Family made for TV movie. Okay. Yep. I don't know. Vincent's all gung ho now. He wants to finish the second and watch the rest of them. I'm like, whoa! I didn't sign on for this much mm-hmm. holiday stuff. <laughs> Home Alone Three is not completely terrible. Roger Ebert, funny enough or not funny enough, called it uh, his favorite of all three. I'm like, what? Like, well, no, no. We've, we've heard Roger Ebert's tastes in movies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's uh, Home Alone 2. It's, uh, I think they make a good, you know, duology together. Yeah. Who was your MVP? Well, you kind of mentioned it already. Uh, yeah, my MVP was the Pigeon Lady, and we did already talk about her. Um, you mentioned you're that person, which was the Pigeon Lady. Who was your MVP? Uh, New York City. Oh, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. right. Okay, so uh, Chris is going to talk about his. Hey, this is Chris here. Um, Apologies, I had to drop out after the first half of this episode. Just had, uh, you know, some stuff to attend to with my family. And, uh, you know, we needed to get the recording out. So I figured I would snip in my uh, That Actor and MVP for Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. Um, you've heard Jess and Stefan um, talk about uh, this sequel um, and this director spotlight um, for, you know, director Chris Columbus. And, you know, we talked through Home Alone 2, but there's there's a couple of characters that actually go together that I think fill these two categories um, for that actor. Um, you know, especially in this time period, um, being from Saturday Night Live and, you know, just kind of trying to make their way as an actor. You had a lot of like the uh, SNL team from the 90s um, popping up in a lot of smaller films. Um, and so uh, my that actor for Home Alone 2 Lost in New York is Rob Schneider. And now Rob Schneider, you know, you might remember from Saturday Night Live. You might remember from a lot of the... Uh, Um, Adam Sandler films. In fact, that's been the majority of his career. But he showed up in Home Alone 2 Lost in New York as the sidekick or, um, you know, toady to the uh, concierge, who I'll talk about in a minute, who's my MVP. But um, he was the, uh, 
like toady like character the the bellman is what he's credited in as the movie in home alone 2 lost in new york is sweet robbie schneider that's right rob schneider um and you know hopefully you've heard the name before the gentleman has 91 acting credits um most recently he was in the adam sandler netflix film hubie halloween which i feel was a return to form um, for Adam Sandler and his entire crew. The kind of joke going on is that the majority of films Sandler has been making that haven't been dramatic films have been kind of just a way to keep his buddies like Rob Schneider, David Spade, um, Chris Rock, and everyone else kind of employed. Um, but Hubie Halloween felt like it had that spark of originality that they were missing. But, you know, you go back as far as 1989, Rob Schneider was in a film called Martians Go Home. Um, he was on the television show Coach. He was in the film Necessary Roughness. Um, he was in Surf Ninjas, if anyone remembers that. He was uncredited in Demolition Man. He was in the Beverly Hillbillies film. Obviously, he was on Saturday Night Live from 1990 to 1994. I remember one of his big first, you know, roles that it was like, oh, what's this guy doing? This was in Judge Dredd. He played Fergie. Um, you know, Judge Dredd, that was the Sylvester Stallone version. Not really well remembered, but had a lot of uh, promise. He was in the film Down Periscope. He was on Seinfeld. Um, he Then, you know, you get the Adam Sandler flicks. You know, you get um, uh, The Water Boy, um, Big Daddy. Then you get The Offshoots, Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo, um, back to Adam Sandler, Little Nicky. You get Star Vehicles. They tried him with Star Vehicles. It didn't quite work. You know, The Animal. Um, the hot chick. I mean, a lot of people remember these, but I don't remember them as being so well. He was more just a guy in the background of the Adam Sandler movies to do the you can do it joke, which then Sandler then came and did in one of the Deuce Bigelow movies, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, and then kind of just continued, you know, doing that, you know, showing up in things. Um, and it, you know, it never really blew up big for him, um, but he was always kind of around and uh, he's my that actor for this movie because every time I watch it, I kind of do a triple take and get reminded, hey, Robbie Schneider's in this movie. So that's my that actor for Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. Now, for MVP, it's a little different. And, you know, MVPs of films, you know, we often go um, with, you know, someone who is from the main cast. Um, you know, uh, there's plenty of actors in both these Home Alone movies that could take it, but... There was a particular actor that showed up in films in this time period, and he just kind of stole the show. He was in like this point of his career where he was just having fun, often played villain roles. And that actor is the incomparable, the unmatched Tim Curry. He has Dr. Frankenfurter, is the concierge um, in Home Alone 2. And uh, he is the one that, you know... Unlike Home Alone 1, where Kevin is trapped at home and has the criminals and, you know, people in the town that see him out and about are the only people he has to attend to. In this movie, he's got this concierge and bellhop in this really, really, really ritzy, pristine hotel um, in New York that don't get what's going on. They never see the father, but he happens to have the dad's credit cards and everything. And it just becomes like a secondary plot of, you know, this cat and mouse game of him trying to get out of the way of them. And Curry is in full overacting mode um, for this role. And he's just fantastic. Um, I feel him and Rob Schneider play fantastically off of each other. And I feel that him and, um, Macaulay Culkin actually play fantastically off each other. Um, 
he's he's a really important part of the film. He kind of springboards us into the second act of the film, which is why Kevin is now out on the street and the uh, um, criminals from the first film, the Wet Bandits there, Harry and Marv, are able to get after him because he's no longer in the safety of the hotel. But um, it, it's a fun little addition to the physical humor of the film that, uh, you know, was kind of missing in the first one. We didn't have the kind of like lighter, you know, caper bit before tim curry has 236 acting credits um it's just insane uh you know we can you know name the big ones but you know everybody knows him as dr frankenfurter in the rocky horror picture show um they also know him as pennywise the clown in the tv version of it but we'll just give some uh some highlights here as well of the other things this incredible actor has been in. The Rocky Horror Picture Show, remember, was back in 1975. Like, just insane. Um, some other things I remember him from. Uh, the Worst Witch. He played the Grand Wizard in The Worst Witch and, again, is amazingly chewing scenery and wearing an incredible cape in that film. Um, you know... He did a lot of TV series voices. He was in the film The Hunt for Red October. Um, let's see what else. He was in, oh, God. Um, you, you just, Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. He did the voice of Hexus. Um, Loaded Weapon 1, which, um, you know, don't remember greatly. It was one of the National Lampoon's films. It, it's pretty funny. He did voices on the Pirates of Darkwater. Um, he was in the 1993 version of The Three Musketeers as Cardinal Richelieu. Um, he was in The Shadow as Farley Claymore. He did voices of the show Dinosaurs. He did voices on the show Aladdin, Mighty Max, The Little Mermaid, Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, he, the guy just has not stopped working. The Pebble and the Penguin, Congo. Uh, Muppet Treasure Island, he was Long John Silver, one of my favorite roles of his. Just Tim Curry getting to go full, you know, Broadway singing with the Muppets. I mean, how, how can you go wrong there? He was uh, voice on voices on Captain Planet and the Planeteers, voices on Gargoyles. Um, let's see what else. Uh, he was um, on the Titanic miniseries, which I don't remember. Um, it must have been a TV movie, but there you go. Um he uh, was voices on Freakazoid. He uh, was in the film Mikhail's Navy as the villain, Major Vladikov, for anyone that remembers the film version of Mikhail's Navy. Um, he, you know, it's just voices. Ah, Real Monsters, Duckman, Beauty and the Beast, Enchanted Christmas, all those terrible Disney sequels that came for a bit. Um, you know, uh, Adam's Family Reunion as Gomez Adams, the TV movie. It's not great, but he had a lot of fun in it. Um, again, you just basically post like early to mid nineties, he was doing a voice work, tons and tons and tons of voice work. And, uh, um, you know, I know that he suffered a stroke recently within, I'd say the last five to 10 years. Um, you know, it's cool that they still are able to bring him out for stuff. I know people that have gotten to meet him at conventions. I think for the recent live performance of the Rocky horror picture show, he, um, he played, uh, the, the doctor, the, the wheelchair bound, um, gentleman in the film, because he in fact is, um, and, uh, you know, it, it's just, the man's career is fantastic. He's wonderful in this film. Um, he was actually in Monty Python spam a lot when it was on Broadway. Um, you know, there's not too, 
there's nothing we can't say that's great about Tim Curry and um, his work in Home Alone 2 is one of the better parts of the film. And that's why he's my MVP of the movie. All right, thanks. And back to the show. And then um, how did the movie fare with the critics? Not as good as the original. So 34% critical and 61% audience. So a bit of a discrepancy. Just a bit. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's it's not. I wouldn't call it a bad movie. Just like you said, kind of a lazy movie. Yeah, like lazy and like overacted. Yeah, really like I guess overacted. I guess derivative of the first one. I I'm still gonna go with lazy because they took mm-hmm. a bunch from the first one. So yeah, it's not even derivative. They fucking copied. True. Yeah. Yeah. Any other uh, critical scores? That's um, that's all I have to say. Oh, okay. All right. So now that we have discussed our thoughts on these films, let's see how they fared on the social media battle polls. Jess, give us a scoop. So our film fighters, uh, if you haven't heard the news, we do run a poll Uh, weekly and usually we do it on Monday but I was a bit of a space case this week and so we did a short poll uh, starting on Wednesday and it was Home Alone 1 versus Home Alone 2 and um, it was actually close for a while but Home Alone 1 did break out ahead at 60% while Home Alone 2 was 40% and we had 10 votes and no comments so people enjoyed the first one more than the second one. I'm surprised it was that close. Yeah. Yeah, I uh I I like the actors that they brought in. Um I I guess I feel it was a little backwards that they went to Paris in the first one and Florida in the second. Um I would agree I, with that. I feel like it would have been a bigger hindrance. I guess with each sequel, you're supposed to go bigger and better. So, you know, to be on a different continent would have been a bigger hindrance and, you know, to go above and beyond. Basically, they can take the two plots of the movie and switch them. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that would be... Uh, almost a better situation. They they would have to do better with the clocks, though. That that yeah. You know, yes, the clocks. I, uh, just the dad being dumb and unplugging the alarm clock does not do it for me. Yeah, I didn't buy that. Yeah, but either way, I try to post the poll every Monday, and we would love to see your um uh choices sorry i could not think of the word um yeah we we love to see your choices and we want to know what you think so um we would love if you took some time out to vote on our polls rate us review us uh like us um or you know if you just want to drop us a line to say hi um we do have a uh gmail that's fighting films pod at gmail we are on facebook at fighting films podcast 
uh, and that's at symbol fighting films pod. We're on Twitter, um, the fighting films podcast, well, fighting films podcast. And then, uh, if you want to use the at symbol, um, it would be films fighting because there was already a fighting films. On Patreon, we are Fighting Films Podcast, so if you really like us and want to support um, this podcast, you know, uh, you can either donate a little bit or a lot, and we will love you for it, like we love our current Patreons, Brant and Karen. We love Um, you both. Yes, we love you so much. So... Thank you all so much for listening. This is Jess. This is Stefan. And until next time. Keep those films fighting. Bye. Bye.